commence primary ignition. This is Star Wars. Look out! You may fire when ready. From the bright center of the galaxy, I'm Greg Sekondak, and you're listening to Core World News, your whole net news show of in-depth coverage for the latest stories from around the galaxy. Welcome to a special episode, The Science of Star Wars. Now I'll be your host, Ben Granted Adam, to welcome a very special guest. All right. Thank you very much, Grex. Um, we have a really special episode this week. Very happy uh, to welcome um, the indomitable uh, casual nerd Jason or casual Jason. If you uh, have heard us talk about him before on this show, we talk about him all the time. He's our most active Discord user and frequent um, submissions personality um, on uh, yeah for our Holonet and Mailbag. Jason, welcome. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me. And, you know, I'm so casual. You can just call me Jason today. No casual nerd. No casual. Just drop those both off. This Jason's nice. cool. It, <laughs> That'll be all right, you got it, Jason. You got it. Right. It's, it's so fun to say casual Jason as if we didn't know which Jason it was. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's awesome. So a uh, little bit about um, you, Jason. Um, you do have the Casual Nerd Jason YouTube channel. Um, which has some interesting content on there uh, from a variety uh-huh. of, <laughs> of places. We had uh, Science News Today, which I found uh, interesting, delving deep into the the Reddit uh, R science there. <laughs> yeah, you know, that was a fun little project that I get to dive into sometimes when I'm not chasing around my kids and trying to do work. But I love to uh, try to make science accessible to people and and. Uh, do things like look at publications, look at the big science in the the world right now. Obviously, it's um, widespread about a, a pandemic that might be going on. But I love Heard talking and you know just whatever's yeah. going on. But you know it's really a, a great chance to interact with people, and I, I love trying to make science just accessible. Yeah, and the most interesting one to me uh, was the PhD in Progress podcast. Um, that you had uh, with your friends and it was sort of it's well tell us about it yeah you know um, it was a a little project we did back in the day I mean it was five or six years ago and we were going through grad school and um, we just felt hey we're having we were fortunate to go to a good program and we were close friends with each other and we knew that some people in their PhD programs or graduate school experiences were not having as great of a time so we just wanted to be like a a friendly voice there so you know we recorded conversations from everything about uh, mental health uh, and imposter syndrome to looking at what you should be looking for in an advisor or or uh, joining a lab so we really had a great time doing that i loved that experience i'm gonna I'm going to jump in for a second there. Uh, having gone through the PhD process myself, uh, boy, do I wish that podcast existed when I was going through it. Because when you were listing those things off, I'm like, mental health, check. Mm-hmm. Imposter syndrome, big check. And how to pick the correct chair and the rest of your uh, committee, check. So, yeah, that's awesome that you did that for people. Uh, yeah, and it, it was a, a really great time and we actually still get emails for even though we've all kind of moved on in our lives so we we always think about kind of revisiting but we'll see yeah <laughs> that's awesome man that's a great service oh. to provide um awesome you'll have to check it out also i've noticed uh you've been playing a wee bit of a uh, monster hunter there yeah okay so when i get time <laughs> i love to play I, i'm a gamer from basically from birth 
But nice. uh, as you all know, when you become an adult, you kind you tend to have to work a little more, do a little more life things. Uh, and so my gaming's kind of dropped off, but I've made time for Monster Hunter Rise, which just kind of came out a, a few weeks ago. And I, I love that game. I think it's so much fun. What's you are doing much voice, better. With... Sorry, what was, what was that, that Grant? What's your weapon? What do you run? Um, I I've been maining insect glaive, but I also like to do the the hunting horn. Man after my own heart. All I, right. I also <laughs> mained an insect glaive when I. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's yeah, just, you I look like, like you're aerial, doing... man. I like to, I like the verticality. I want to be yes. up in the air. So much fun. Uh, nice. And you uh, you also mercifully watched us in our uh, brief foray on um, Twitch for a little bit when I was doing uh, Battlefront Two. Dipped my toe in and then immediately got out of the pool. But um, it was nice to have you there uh, checking in with us. We've got to sort of rethink um, our gaming uh, presence. But um, they, I really appreciated you checking in and uh, and then watching watching us play. Hey, man, always fun. Really cool. Yeah. I, who doesn't love video games? So pretty much uh, mostly Monster Hunter for you right now. Um, Monster Hunter. And I've just got into Outriders a little bit, um, oh, cool. which is fine i think monster hunter is kind of my main game but i i also play i'm a, a big blizzard guy so I, i've played blizzard games my mm-hmm. for a lot of my life really i love starcraft that's like my number uh, one starcraft. if i had to pick one game to be on a stranded island with it'd probably be starcraft 2 i think oh, it's nice. such a good game yeah i haven't right. thought about that game in forever <laughs> right yeah so good oh. Cool. Well, so we figured we'd give uh, Jason the full experience here. We got a couple uh, fun news items from this week. Um, and so we'll have uh, Jason want you to weigh in and really go through these um, interesting news tidbits. Why don't we start with, uh, speaking of, I guess, video games, uh, why don't we start with James Gunn on Twitter? Apparently this week there's like Revan was trending on Twitter and everyone's like, why? It's just kind of wild. Everyone was Including talking about me. Yeah. I was like, wait, what? Why? Why is <laughs> that? Right. And so in response, James Gunn on um, the 14th said, um, I see KOTOR is trending, uh, which it should, as it's still the greatest video game of all time. It is my favorite Star Wars thing out of all the Star Wars games, movies, TV shows, toys, and comics. Um, what do you take away from that? Is uh, Should we look far too deep into this and see if, Maybe there's something being debated there. Isn't that I our mandate? To, I have to agree with James Gunn. I think, I think you could argue there's a bit of a villain problem in, with Star Wars and Marvel. I think that that argument's been going around for a couple of years now. And I feel like if the if Kotor did one thing right, I think they invented a villain that was equal as threatening as Darth Vader in a lot of ways, and in 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 Darth Malak because I thought that character was a supremely well crafted villain. And I I'm just hoping to get more villains like that in the future. And I feel like that added a lot of gravitas to the story. And uh, obviously, Bastila Shan's an incredible character. Um, uh, Ordo is incredible. Jolie, Jolie Bindo is an incredible character. Vandor, like all, all the characters are great. Like a really great cast of characters in that game. Nice. Yeah, it is. I, I, I That game I played so many times over and over again. Speaking of when I probably should have been working on my master's degree at the time i would not and just play 20 hours straight of kotar um ben i'll take this the direction i think you're trying to steer me in which is like why is james why is james gunn tweeting about specifically yeah yeah about this and i you know so i'm sure people are a flurry of is he gonna make make that movie or that show or what 
I don't know. All I know is that man has a lot of time on his hands during the I mean, he basically took the pandemic to write an entire show because he was locked down. So he just wrote like so he has the Suicide Squad coming out in August and he just wrote an entire series for the character Peacemaker that's going to be on HBO Max, like wrote every script because he has time. So I don't know if he's actually it's, making it's, this movie. I believe or he's just bored. Yeah. yeah. So you're thinking yeah. a possible movie? I'm thinking he might just be bored and looking to talk about things that's interesting him on the internet because he's right. in lockdown. But His man is maybe, bored. I mean, but let's let's talk about that. Would would we want to see a James Gunn Knights of the Old Republic movie? Yeah. Well, here's my feel. Like, so I love Knights of the Old Republic. I that's one of my favorite. Oh man, just that the twist that happens in it is the one thing, the one video game memory. Um, narrative video game memory I have that is just always top of mind and I would love even if it were exactly the same I would love to see that in a movie in a film with great live actors or, or something like that um, but I, I keep struggling with like does KOTOR or does the old republic fit in with the high republic is it are they two distinct things are they kind of folded in together um, I I I'm interested in knowing. I mean, I'm totally cool with whatever they want to put out there. As you guys say, more Star Wars, great. I yeah. love more Star Wars. So if they want to, if they want to do it, if Sean, uh, Sean Gunn, wait, is it yeah, Sean Gunn? James, James, James Gunn. Yeah. yeah, the other one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if he wants to do it, totally fine with that. Yeah, absolutely. I my um, lawyer buddy actually sent me that that tweet, and I'd seen it, and sort of was like, I don't know. I, I think it's probably mostly fluff, and like Adam said, it's you know, it's boredom. Um, but interesting, but he was super into it. And, but he, as his lawyer perspective, he's like, I'm pretty sure, um, that the title is just caught up in contract purgatory. And it's just like, it's really like the licensing and trying to figure that out. Um, I don't think it's as cut and dry as well. Disney owns it now and they can do whatever they want with it. Um, but again, I don't really have, and I can't cite any sort of clauses or anything, um, to back that yeah. up. Um, it seems they... like a rock shot. They could very easily just call it the Old Republic, not call it Knights of the Old Republic, and tell something that takes place. Grant, you're always better with the timing on this. Isn't Knights of the Old Republic like 2,000 years? Five, no, five, four, five, four five, or 5,000 yeah. years before. So there's plenty of real estate there. Yeah. But it'd be hard to tell that same story if there is issues with the who has the rights to what. But I I just I keep kind of bumping up against James Gunn directing. I, I'd love to see James Gunn direct a Star Wars movie, just like I'm so excited for a Taika Waititi. But like that seems like a weird match for me, because don't you think the Nice Republic Republic? I mean, maybe it's just based on the video is going to be a very serious movie. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's been a departure from that. The seriousness, serious kind of tone that George honed in on. It, it, there's been a departure of that since with, I think, you know, the sequels have a fair bit amount of a fair, you know, they have a fair amount of jokes in them. And then uh, obviously the, the, the animated shows like resistance, some of the newer animated shows are, are, are more slapstick and kind of fun. And it's, and I would love to see a return to, I would love to see a star Wars film. That's the more serious tone at some point, but you know, thinking of James Gunn and his directing style and his writing style, it's, I don't think you'd get that with James. I think you'd get something that's, it's it, it'll feel adventurous. It will have great comedy, but you might not get the I don't know. You might not get the the kind of stakes and the the, the dire tone that, that George often made sure was in, yeah. in his films and, and things like that. But um, I, I, my impression of Night's Old Republic is that I thought the game was perfect and 
I almost, if they do do something set in that era, I'm hoping it's an entirely new story or maybe a, a prequel to that game. Like, I know the Old Republic MMO had covered, I guess, done a sort of like uh, pseudo sequel to that game and sort in, in terms of like um, adding to Revan's arc, which I, I heard fans were kind of disappointed with. And um, I wouldn't mind seeing something that maybe takes place before the original Knights of the Old Republic, something that kind of sets up Revan. And so us, you know, having watched that, that, that film then can be like, oh, you know what takes place just after this is Knights of the Old Republic, the game. And they actually, they actually did enough work to, to make the game, to, to logistically fit the game in there after the movie takes place and things like that. So that right. would be and interesting. They, right. And then they could continue with this trend of sort of wrapping their arms around legacy properties that are fan favorites and just sort of bring Knights of the Old Republic back and sort of, and, and put it on. You know, it, what, whether they have to resell it or do what they did with um, uh, the the Trooper game um, that just came out. Um, Republic. Oh, Republic Commandos. Uh, Republic Commandos, yeah. thank you. Um, yeah, something like that. I mean, because it is kind of perfect for what it is. I, I don't want to, I don't think I want to see a movie of KOTOR just because, like, all I can think about is, um, is the Gunslinger movie and just, like, how it just has so much possibility to be terrible and i don't know that you could make like a, a feature film that would really grasp all the like fun twists and turns that you have in that game um so i don't know i think i if anything i'd want like either a modern version of it that maybe for consoles because i'm a console guy but um or something you know that punched up or like like what you're saying grant like if you're going to do a, a film around it um yeah, leading into it, something that dances around it or plays. Or, or you could do a Disney Plus series set against the backdrop of the game. Okay. Revan and Malak okay. are marauding around the galaxy, and and you're basically hearing about it, and you're we're following a different character altogether. Um, See, my only problem with like that that, that, that like sounds that. like you're not going to have HK47 in that movie, and if you don't have HK47, <laughs> no, the show in that is movie, called HK47. I'm out. Story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think you know. I'm thinking two things right now. One is that Knights of the Old Republic or the Old Republic is a great way to like just zoom away from anything Skywalker related. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm excited for. I'm excited to like build out this universe. I'm if I never hear about Skywalkers again, like it's yep. I'm totally happy with that. Um, you know, Luke had his Luke had his really badass moment. Um he showed us that he was a really strong guy like just walking crushing through the uh the hallways of that ship to to get to the mandalorian um and, and grogu right um so that was cool we saw that and then we saw his downfall that's i love all that um now that's it i think i think i'm ready to just learn something new um yeah. about the universe uh maybe the early jedis maybe ten thousand years after skywalkers don't care uh zoom away from it uh, the second yeah. thing is um, just thinking of the game, the Old Republic, the online one. Have you ever watched all those trailers, uh, all the like cinematic scenes that they have? Yes, for... they're fantastic. Yeah. I will watch those over and over again all day, and they're so good and they're so action packed. And I think that's like what Star Wars, a lot of Star Wars people want to see now. If they can make a narrative out of them for like an hour and a half or whatever, I don't know. But like, just give me a lot of that. Se well, I say yeah. that now, and then you have that weird final fantasy uh 
uh, like uncanny <laughs> valley uh, weirdness that yeah. happens if you're watching it for an hour and a half. But like, yeah, yeah. no, I'm totally on board with that because, yeah, I never played the game, but I would just because banded, based on those cinematics, they're they're breathtaking. And I would watch 130 minutes of that. No problem. And yeah. I'm I'm looking forward now to like having different artists being bold and doing like interesting things. And that, that would be being just bold enough, you know, and, and that's what people want to see, like Jedi doing awesome things. And it's it, it feel like so much of Disney feels like they have to couch the action and all this um, story. But like if it's just a really action packed digitally animated awesomeness that happens that's completely inconsequential to the star wars saga you can do it you can pull it off and it would just be fun you wouldn't even know who the jedi or the sith are like i mean you could do that with the jedi and sith wars and it could just be this serial that goes on forever um and um and could do some really fun stuff yeah i i i agree with you jason i think we need to get to new territory because I think we're too clued in on the resolution of these stories too often where we know, you know, when Andor yeah. is coming out, we know Andor dies. We, we've seen his death, uh, even with the sequel trilogies as as kind of subversive as The Last Jedi was. You know, I had read so many books about the Emperor's contingency plan and like I had yeah, I, I kind of knew that Palpatine would probably be in the cards in some way in the sequel trilogy and. And um, and and then just most stories, most Star Wars stories, I kind of know where it's going to resolve. Whereas if we go to new territory, yeah, I think you can yeah. really pull some interesting. You can you can go left when the audience is thinking you're going to go right, and and they won't. You know, we'll have no idea where the story's going, and it will feel very fresh in that way. Hundred yeah. percent. The Skywalker saga is complete. Let's examine other parts of the galaxy. And Grant, I think that's right. I mean, even the Mandalorian, which I love, there's only so many directions that show can go right because it's still yes there's 30 years to play with but we still know where the state of galactic politics are 30 years after that show yeah yeah well all right you brought up um and or uh grant um so i I threw this in discord i don't know if y'all read it or not but um stellan skarsgård um was quoted this week as saying um that it's well he said He's talking about Andor, um, the Andor series, which he is in, um, and he thinks it's going to be the one of the most darkest, uh, the darkest and most realistic Lucasfilm projects yet. Um, this is on. Um, oh, actually, I don't have the source. I, I, I read that same article, Ben. We're just talking about how dark this show would get, and it's it's the darkest possibly Disney will ever get. But yeah, you know, having seen La blood on John Walker's shield in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I you know yeah. I, Spoiler I'm wondering alert. if that statement still holds true. Um, and uh, but but it is interesting because I was always thinking the show would be some sort of like La Carre, like Tinker T- Taylor Soldier Spy, you know, espionage thriller wherein you, you there's no one you can trust and people are dying left and right. Like, yeah. that's kind of what I thought the show would be. And it, it sounds like it may still be just that 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 very idea. Yeah. I mean, think about where we meet Cassian at the beginning of Rogue One, right? Like he is he is just murdering someone in order to survive. Like he is he is in full in full spycraft mode at the beginning of that that movie. Yeah, I think the the quote from Skarsgård was uh, it's a different approach because of the beauty and uh, it's how things happen. Uh, Luna remarked last year. It's not just what oh, this is Diego Luna. Okay, it's not just what happens. It's not the typical way of uh, approaching a story. It's about how the things happen, which, in fact, is the same that happened in Rogue One. You know the ending, but you don't know how it happened. And we have the challenge in front of us again. 
which is exciting. So that was actually Luna. I thought that it was in the Skarsgård article, but um, he, essentially Skarsgård was quoted as saying, this isn't just going to be knocking over t- uh, toy soldiers. This is going to be some serious stuff. So I don't know any sort of hint we can get towards this thing. I, I'm really interested about how this, um, this show is going to play out. Um, and I've got one more, but yeah, why don't I throw it at you? This is the, the, the rumor that, um, from the direct.com, everyone's favorite website. Oh, yeah, that um, sounds reputable. Yeah. <laughs> Judy Dench is rumored to be cast as the original builder <laughs> of the millennium Falcon. This was for the rise of Skywalker. There was a bit and it, it got as far as concept art, like where they drew in, uh, is this in the JJ cut? No. <laughs> are we going to touch the Abrams cut? Are we we're gonna, not going to touch the Abrams we're not cut. Touch that. That, that don't, touch, don't touch that. I don't there is no such, yeah. There's no such thing. Um, oh, wait, so I, I didn't see this. Uh, so wait, Builder, is she like in overalls, like riveting stuff? Or is she <laughs> yeah. like a designer? Uh, <laughs> I, the, the word is Builder. Uh, so yeah, I think it's, you know, it's uh, she's a, she's a Builder. So perhaps a Carillion, you know. Uh, putting together YT-1300 freighters. Um, I don't know. But uh, yeah, but she built it. And they, they needed to go to her to get some sort of weapon that would help, uh, you know, tip the scales in the battle against the First Order. That sort of thing. Dude, huh. they, put it, they should have put some giant cannon on the Falcon. Like the Falcon just needed a weapons upgrade. And, you know, there's a bunch of ace pilots who could, who could use it to great effect. Uh, I'm currently slogging my way through the new Jedi Order, and I kind of want them to, to give them the matte black paint job the Millennium Falcon oh. gets in that series. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that happened in old EU. Um, so I guess what's... This is so weird. This is always this is always the issue we deal with is headcanon, right? The the problems of headcanon. Um, because Judy Dench is not a spring chicken, but I always assumed the Millennium Falcon was even older than Judy Dench. Is that called yeah. Judy Falcon? Yeah, you or did I just Judy do that in my brain? I just somehow my brain thought, that was did I call her Judy Falcon? Um, but th- you know what I mean? Like, I always thought the that could be Falcon. your name in the show, though, which would have been yeah. great. <laughs> name Judy <laughs> Falcon. Judy. Judy. Yeah. You got to go see Judy, guys. But I guess she could have been an alien of some, <laughs> a long lived alien of some kind. Yeah, Dame Falcon. Yeah. Um, oh, I would have loved Yeah. Because don't you think she's. Because you think she's really like, yes, I'm going to show up in your Star War, or more like, yeah, I'll I'll do an hour of voice recording for you. I think she'd give it the Guinness treatment. She'd be like, what if she was Bulio okay, to start, where to and be. then they like last minute made Hamill do the voiceover? <laughs> oh, Bulio. Um, yeah. Do you have anything Bulio, to add right? to that there? Well, she's <laughs> like, see, wait, you want to say something, Jason? No, I'm just saying she's she's M and James Bond, and also this construction worker right yeah. like i she she's got range yeah that's that's probably true <laughs> she's in the but american like, academy of arts and sciences but how much can it how much can there be about this person who well i don't know i don't want to discount their life right they probably had an interesting story but like does that it uh ends or or it culminates in them building this random freighter that happens to go on and become legendary or is it just yeah. like one of thousands that she builds like i i don't know yeah it doesn't seem like important to me <laughs> i know i wrestled with that too it's like i guess then you'd have to come up with some story why this freighter is special uh, compared to all these other mass right freighters. Yeah. and ultimately i think she just got turned into babu frick and that's what we got so <laughs> well there's so so <laughs> we got the she best is babu version. Frick confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that's uh, the other thing I was bumping up against, which is like Solo, which we've we've talked about is one of my weirdly one of my favorite Star Wars movies lately. But like every time I see Woody Harrelson to buy a Beckett, Tobias Beckett, and it might be the name plus seeing Woody Harrelson, it pulls me out of that movie immediately because I'm like, that's Woody. Like that's Woody Harrelson. That's yeah. weird. Like to, to see a recognizable face, like a really famous face in Star Wars, really throws me. And I feel like seeing, you know, Judy Dent just walk on screen. I'd be like, that's that's like it's Jason. That's M. Like, what's M doing in this universe suddenly? Yeah, totally. Secretly, don't tell anyone, but um, uh, Samuel Jackson did that for me too. In the nope. yeah, I, I had yeah. to really like bend my mind to be like, nope, he's a Jedi, and he's his name is Mace Windu, and that's you've never seen him in any other movies that you adore. Yeah. Um, it was, it was that was the toughest sort of leap for me. It took a lot of watches for me not to, to do the same thing to just not bump up yeah. against it. That it's said, funny that now Tobias I definitely Becky want to solo Studios. for you and not the villain reveal, which totally did that movie in for me. Where I was like, wait, what? What? Wait, <laughs> Dark that... Maul is in a Han Solo movie? Like right. this is this does not compute right now. You were sitting next to me in a the theater. You heard the giant sigh that came out of me when that happened. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was awesome. I was like, Oh, wait, no, I, I think was I was like, sitting next to Ben because I think Ben and I, Ben had this wee and I had the, the sigh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess he was a, the head of the Crimson Dawn at that, Crimson Sun at that point. Well, Crimson that Dawn. Crimson Dawn. Crimson Dawn. He was the head of that. So I guess he was a, he just didn't come off as like a gangster like to me at all. He just came yeah. off as like old school Maul. Like the igniting of the saber, I feel like was a bad idea because I was like, yeah. oh, it's a, it's now it's Sith Maul if you do that. Like you should have just made him. He shouldn't have had a lightsaber. He should have like pulled out a blaster or something like that. And you're like, oh, OK, also, he's a gangster. No, I get it. no, 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 no. You shouldn't have done either because you're on a hologram. Like, what does that do? Like, I'm going to blast you from wherever I am millions of miles away in space. Like, it seems weird to pull out a weapon. It's like me right now. We're on Zoom. If I just pulled out like a knife and was like, guys, would you be intimidated by that? Would you be scared? No, I'd anyway. be like, seek help. No, but you if you had something. a lightsaber, if you would use it on every Zoom, wouldn't I you? That. I would Jason, ignite my lightsaber on every Zoom for no reason. Jason is present and watching in real time how quickly we can just get off track and be like, you know what? We're going to spend 10 minutes discussing Darth Maul and Solo. <laughs> Because we start talking about Judy Dench, of course. Like those two things are connected, right? Guys, I will I will admit my deep dark Star Wars secret, of which I have many, and one of them is that I have not actually sat down and watched solo. Oh and you totally oh, wow. oh, no. No. Oh, no, 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 it's okay. No, it's okay. It's not that hang up on him. We say uh, mall. That's we why you didn't correct me on Crimson Sun. Small sides. small. I mean it, it was it was uh not ruined. It was very it was spoiled. Small. That's what we said. <laughs> it was spoiled for me like a long time ago and i i didn't even mind at that point um so that is on my you know you have a those list of movies yeah. to to watch in your time and then life yeah. happens so like and sure. but not, spoiler wall not alone like so many people who i know are star wars fans still haven't seen that movie like it just wasn't on the radar it just the the whole way they advertised it just coming out so close to episode eight like so many people just missed it and that i know are re- real strong star wars fans mm-hmm. so it's interesting I, I i will i'm not gonna like tell you what to do i know you got your own life going on but like that movie if you just sit back and watch it and just enjoy it on its level i think it's like the to me that movie is the closest thing i've seen in disney era star wars to classic star wars mm-hmm. 
Yeah, Larry Kasdan and his and his son put it together. So the guy that uh, directed um, Empire Strikes Back. So it's uh, well worth you know yeah. it'll be there waiting for you when you're ready. It's true. It's not oh, going I, anywhere. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to do it too. Like it's it's just one of those things. It just never. Uh, it's like should we watch another episode of iZombie tonight because we're exhausted or. Yeah, should we plunge? Sink an hour and a half to watch a. Well, I don't even know how long it is. Probably up to two hours or so. Two right? hours, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, it's over two hours, which is not needed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that movie will find. I mean, you. like, I think, yeah. I think a lot of people. I think the visual effects are are very good in Solo, especially okay. when they're going to Kessel um, through the Maw and all that stuff. Like that. That was super interesting to see. To you know, there's certain visuals in Solo that I think are. Yeah, don't you blow the whole movie? Down, so, yeah. yeah I especially mean, we've established story. he's a listener. I'm sure if he's been listening long enough, we have told the entire plot of Solo <laughs> throughout <laughs> yeah, the last 20 episodes and some. Like we, if you could, he could piece it together. Yeah, it's like you know how how they just show like Forrest Gump on TV 24 yeah. seven, and if you just clicked around. Yeah, the channels you would basically get the whole gist of the movie no matter what, and you would know the whole plot and you know everything. Yeah, about that's yeah. basically what this is. Pretty much, yeah. And to be <laughs> fair, that is actually not—you're not going to get much more from watching it. What's crazy about that? <laughs> I disagree. Movie is we just about the <laughs> it's a farcical romp and a joyous <laughs> thrill bring, ride. I'm going to bring this back start. to the uh, the news item. Uh, All right, let's see. Talking about the ship. Uh, Dame Judi Dench, you know. Uh, being related to the Falcon in some way, the builder, the architect, whatever, what have you, the engineer. Um, that like, was in my head. Can if so, right. if that was an actual, if that actually did occur, and and they 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 had cast her as a role, like wouldn't you want to pay off L three from Solo, or has Disney completely disowned Solo? Like L three no. is in the Falcon. Like if you bring in Jane, Dame Judi Dench, and if she connects with the ship in some way, like, oh, I, I haven't seen. And to to Jason's point, like that freighter has probably been around for longer than um, however old Judy Dench's character is. But like if she was able to connect with L3, there would be a beautiful tie-in to Solo. And uh, and that's not even mentioning the other hanging thread from Solo that is Kira, who I thought was yeah. the most interesting character yeah. Solo and might have a, a very interesting story and development and arc if you put her in a Disney Plus series or something like that. And uh, yeah, I, I would love to see Kira's trajectory her arc because i imagine she's gonna get tattoos and shave her hair and, and get real dark because you know she's yeah. uh her, her, we, we saw who her mentor is and suddenly she's about that life yeah we're we'll see I, again it's all it's all gonna come back around the lando series i'm sorry i'm surprised the comics haven't even strayed into like kira mall crimson dawn territory that's why it's all going to be that's that's why we're going to see it. Right. Like if they they the fact that the EU is not they have not touched that at all means that the mandate from Disney is you can't touch that because we have we have possible plans for that because they would have told that story already if they were willing yeah. to write. it. You off. got it. I, and that's why I think we and then they're doing a lot of they're doing a lot of uh, storytelling with the huts in the comics. And I think the High Republic it's right coming. now Uh would be, I mean, if if the, if there were was a, a solo two planned after solo, it'd be this would be the time to then market it because you could start that trailer with Jabba's laugh or something, yeah. and everyone it just like the Emperor's yeah. laugh, yeah. like it would be hut heavy, no pun, <laughs> but actually pun absolutely intended. I mean, you know they're <laughs> champing at the bit to be able to show Jabba on screen again. 
Oh, I'm dying to see Jabba on screen. I mean, Book of Boba Fett. I'm I'm guessing we'll see Jabba the Hutt. You know, well, no. Oh, in a flashback, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was the last time they showed him? Was it in Phantom Menace? Was that it? Yes. Yeah. When he's uh the pod racing. Yep, scene, pod racing, right? and he flicks yeah. the he flicks the frog thing <laughs> off to hit the yeah. gong to start the pod race. He, it's time. He he's it's his time to come back. Yeah. Let's make him bigger than better than ever. Let's do it. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> nice. Well, why don't we uh, venture into uh, some science? We'll get get into our uh, this little segment here because this is something. My my oldest memories are my father being like, that's bad, bad science right there. Uh, as I was gleefully watching the original trilogy for the 20 millionth time. Um, but uh, so we have our science expert here, Jason. Um, we I think we all have um, a, little, a nice outline that you put together um, uh, standing by here. So uh, why don't why don't we get into it? Do you want to um, do you want to start us off, Jason? Yeah, sure. So. Uh... You know, like you said, Star Wars science, maybe not hand in hand when I think of it. Um, and as I think many people think of it, uh, Star Wars is kind of it's basically a fantasy. It's it's a uh, big, fantastical themes. It's not so much about extrapolating the science that we have here and now into a futuristic thing. And actually, it's kind of funny. I think uh, Star Wars really embodies that almost fantasy futurism from the 70s so well and it still continues right it's like a um it, it reminds me uh, i tie a lot of things back to gaming um and if any of you played mass effect i think that's the, yeah. my favorite series of all time um and mass effect one is like my probably my favorite game yeah so I think see, I'm, favorite. A, I'm also a big fan of, of one the first one I yeah know it's the story I like two but yeah. one the music got me right away the story was fantastic Exactly. Right. Um, and that has a similar thing. Right. It's like it's a futurism from a, a certain point of view. Right. It's uh, <laughs> but it's not really it's not really science based. It's not really looking at core concepts of science. So we can look at things like like hyperdrives and hyperspace. And how does that really fit into science here? Well, it's a little iffy. And, you know, we're not going to dive deep dive into it right now. That's a whole episode of like space science. Right. Of. Yeah. Of. Uh, uh, how that works space astrophysics. Yeah. <laughs> exactly astrophysics and i'd have to pull on another friend because i am not i'm not a physics guy as i was mentioning before but um i guess kind of tying it back like because of that i think star wars treats science and technology kind of hand in hand um it, when we talk about it in our world right technology is kind of the applied science it's you learn things through science uh through experimentation through hypothesis driven uh, work and observations and then you kind of apply it in a way you you take what you learn there and you try to make a tool you try to make an algorithm um, so that it can help you do something new or, or see something new um, Star Wars kinds of skips that that science research step a little bit um, and just kind of throws in the the what if like what if you can just uh, skip through hyperspace. What if you could just track through hyperspace? Why not? <laughs> what if you just make a, a giant laser? You know, we have the we have these little blaster laser things, but what if we just made a, a big old planet space station and put a big old giant if, couple of lasers on there? What you if know, your big bad guy returns somehow? Yeah, somehow. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Cloning or the force? It doesn't matter. He's or on an arm. He's a puck or something. 
Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's so, a jib arm involved. <laughs> uh, and one thing I, I did want to touch before we like dive into the world of science in, in Star Wars um, was that I think it's Star Wars is kind of useful because it helps us in our world uh, be inspired. Right. Um, and for me, I got into biology um, because I saw this little known movie called Terminator 2. And <laughs> if you've seen this documentary, uh, the cyborg comes back from the future. Um, and there's a scene where he's at a black scientist. Uh, and I'm black. That's why I say that. It, it was really impactful for me because that was the first yeah. time I saw like a, a, a black guy who could be in science. And he's kind of science and engineer rather. Um, but this man is ends up being somewhat responsible for the generation of all these Terminators that, that basically cause the apocalypse for humans. Um so Arnold Schwarzenegger sitting down at his dining room table um, takes a knife and cuts off his synthetic skin, right? And peels it off. And you guys might remember the scene. And he shows uh, Dyson, this, this engineer, um, basically his robotic arm. And that like stuck with me. And I, I was to age myself a little bit. I, I was in kindergarten when that movie came out and I saw it, um, which is young. You saw for that a in rated R movie. Wow. Yeah, you yeah, saw yeah. that in yeah. green kindergarten. Wow. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I'm a, I'm a very laid back kind of almost pacifist guy. So like, it, I don't think it had a huge impact on me, but like I could see it having impacts on people. But I, I've also always been afraid of a nuclear apocalypse. So maybe I didn't escape it. Yeah. Unscathed. Well, it made you a scientist. So that's actually exactly. pretty positive. Yeah. That, yeah. I was going to say that. And then a few years later, when I started my Star Wars journey, um, when the special editions came out was really when I saw empire and just that little bit of Luke getting that replacement hand, mm -hmm. uh, which in the comics I've just learned, he has goes on this huge adventure before it gets, he gets the hand put on, which is kind of weird. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird. Uh, anyway, uh, but take it back. He, he gets this, uh, robotic arm put on him. And to me, that was like the coolest thing. And in my in my memory at the time was also the uh, uh, the first Gulf War. And I remember images of, of people coming back from war without limbs. And I was like, I want to make robotic limbs and organs. That's what I want to do. Um, so I think like Star Wars uh, specifically, but like science fiction and fantasy in general really have a role to for our imagination because uh, there's a lot of inspiration to get from real science, but there's also a lot of inspiration to get from like fake science. Fake and, science. And it's, it's, oh, totally. totally. Yeah. Uh, and I have to say fake science in a, in a good way, like the good fake science, not the, the bad stuff that kind of circulates now about uh, certain things in the news. But, oh boy. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, so I, one thing I wanted to ask you is I said kind of what I feel about science and technology and Star Wars. How do you guys feel like what do you think Star Wars uh, science and technology, like where do they intersect and uh, what do you think is important there? It's a big question, I know. So, like, yeah, I'll well, start it off and fumble fun. around with it and buy you guys some time to actually give quality answers. Thank um, you. I, you got it? Yeah, you got it. Oh, all right. Okay, sure. Yeah, I, I don't want to, you know, cut you off there. I Grant, was going to jump I already... in, but I, I have an idea. Uh, is, it, is it more so, Jason, you're asking like more so like when, we first kind of noticed the star, the the science in Star Wars, or kind of like in sci-fi in general, like what kind of things awakened our scientific kind of thinking. Well, I was thinking, you know, what you perceive 
science and technology's role within the the narrative, the story, the lore of Star Wars is. Um, but really, however you take that question, I'm sure it's a, a good direction. So happy to hear. I mean, for for me, I'll just jump in here and grab the low hanging fruit. We talked a little bit off air about science as magic, sort of. It's it's just like space magic, and it um, that that's the way I've always been far more interested in the mysticism. And it seems like the science is so such a given and it's so present and like the the swath of time is so long that like people don't even notice the technology around them anymore that it's just like science is magic a little bit. It's just like, oh, yeah, I press that button and I, I travel, you know, at so many times the speed of light and can travel across the galaxy like, you know, you go to get groceries. And um, I don't know. I, I just think it's it's. It's just it's it's so science is so old that it's part of it's like magic. It's part of lore. It's part of myth. Um, it yeah. doesn't seem present. It's not like, oh, there's all these new technologies coming out. It's really like they're like, yeah, we have twin ion engines and you can get your X-wing, to, you know, your, your your TIE fighter to look like this or you get your TIE fighter to look like this. But essentially the technology is the same. Maybe it goes a little faster, shoots a little harder. You know, there, there's very they play in the science realm, but it's, it's, it's old. All of it is old. It's almost like they've learned everything already and it's just sort of kicking around. Yeah. Similarly, like I just, I never really thought about it when I was thinking about it as a kid until, and Jason, I feel like now I'm like cribbing your own answer back to you, but like, I, you know, I remember I grew up probably watching star Wars and star Trek pretty equally as a kid. And so one was science fiction, star Trek, like to me, like there were set rules. Yeah. It made yeah, yeah. sense. I understand it as much as you can, even though there's a lot of fantasy elements in that science as well. But you know what I mean? Like they, you know, even just like how fast they're going, like warp nine, like they actually have like a rating system as opposed to Star Wars. You're just like you go to light speed and you get there either in a day or two weeks or however long the story needs. And so I just never really thought about it growing up, especially because in the first movie, in A New Hope, there's not a lot. Like, I'm trying to rack my brain, but I, there's not a lot of science or in that or even technology. Like, they, they don't say a lot of these things. And then I remember that the scene you're talking about with Luke getting that the, the robotic hand. And, you know, it didn't have the effect on me where I wanted to become a scientist and I wanted to do all this. But I, I remember it did leave an impression on me. And it's really interesting here you talk about because now I think I know why. Like, I never really realized why that that scene felt so odd in a good way to me and i think it's because the first time you actually start seeing the inner workings of something right like I, like mm. i remember in solo i promise not to get us down to another solo hole but there's a scene where they have to go back they have to see the engines of the millennium falcon remember that in that movie and th and throw the they start talking about that movie about how there's fuel for the millennium falcon what are they yeah seeking? yeah injectors and yeah and they inject it in and i'm like and i love that movie but that moment was like this is weird. Like they're actually trying to talk about how the engine works. Like I never even thought that there is a, that there is like an engine room to millennium Falcon. <laughs> that seems weird to me. But right? they, they're working on it in the original trilogy a lot. I mean, Chewie's not on screen most of the time. Cause he's banging yeah. away on the Falcon and he was pulling apart and like, but I know what like a underground and there's hoses and gas and stuff, but, and the, but, but like not like an engine, not like a working thing that has <laughs> fuel. <laughs> what you're hinting at is the coaxium. Coaxium, right? thank you. Is it? Yeah, yeah, coaxium. Um, see, I have a very different perspective on science and Star Wars than most Star Wars fans. Most people write off Star Wars as as space fantasy and it's yeah. and, and space magic, whatever you want to label it as. But 
I, I think science is the secret sauce in Star Wars. It's, it's, it's by no means a hard sci-fi story, but I do think science comes into play a number of times, and even a lot of the characters are even concerned with the science in specific circumstances. I think of the, the carbon, carbonite freezing yeah. in Empire Strikes Back. That's a lot of characters very concerned with, this, with the process of how this, this chemical is going to work. Um, even Vader is concerned about this and this, that's science, right? Like that's a hundred percent science. Um, the, uh, the hyperspace tracking in, uh, in, in the last Jedi, I would say is kind of a scientific notion, the coaxium and solo. I think it's the, I think it's the secret sauce because it's, I think there's a lot of underhanded science in the storytelling that's used at very precise moments that keeps star Wars in the sci-fi realm. And and so it can't be written off as complete space fantasy. So I, I think that science is like a secret weapon that you employ now and again in the Star Wars story uh, for for plot. But you don't want to make it feel so heavy handed that like it's, you know, it's, it's a major part of the plot. But it should be ancillary because it, it keeps it keeps Star Wars sci fi. And I know Jason's like, I, I, I just want them to move on, but I'm going to jump in one more time. Because no way. I don't it, love this. Because what I think is interesting is like, sort of thing about is, so we had the example of them fixing up the Millennium Falcon, 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 Falcon. I don't know what's happening to me. Falcon. We had uh, the mechanical arm and we had um, carbonite freezing. Those are all from Empire, right? So there, there's a major shift, I think, between A New Hope and Empire where Lucas kind of steps back a little bit and or or something happens where they're like, oh, we got to put a little more like science or sci-fi here, right? And mm-hmm. what I think we might be getting at is they use science fiction or they use science and technology as a way to move plot forward to add tension, right? A lot of these, a lot of times you see technology or science is when they need it for plot purposes, right? It's not like a science fiction of like, how do things work in terms of you're reading hard sci-fi? It's more like, how do we use this to to create tension in the story, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny you say that. And um, when you you said like the those are some of the the first examples you saw were were those. Uh, One thing I think about is uh, just the moisture farm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's kind of early. Right. Yeah. 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 You're right. Um, But I mean, what does it do? I don't know, but like you, un, you can understand the reason that it's there. It's a desert. You say it's a farm yes. for moisture to get right. water, I guess. Okay, cool. There's a okay. long history of trying to figure out what evaporator is online and what it means. You can fall down holes of people arguing over <laughs> because even the naming doesn't really make sense, but it's fascinating. Yeah, it's the opposite of an evaporator. It's evaporator. Pepper. Yeah. yeah. And then you just see the like cool spires in the desert, but you never see them drawing water out of it. So right. just like, no, this is a moisture farm. Yeah. That's it. You got it's it. Just, it's a desert. It they need awesome. water. You get it. Yeah. 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 You need water in a desert. Ob. There it yeah. Is. And, and to me, there's like a ton of tinkering. Like there's so much tinkering in Star yeah. Wars. There's uh, the obviously the the droids uh, that the, the Jawas pick up and just seeing inside yeah. the, the sand car. Right. You have the tinkering that Chewie's doing just to get the Falcon to run. Right. <laughs> um, there's the, the super advanced death star that has a little bit of a, uh, a backdoor problem with a uh, Galen <laughs> kind of engineering <laughs> it into yep. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You have the, the plants being transported. You have like the science of, of like how or why is it difficult to transport these plans? And we learn in like rogue one that they're just huge apparently. And they can't, yeah. uh, 
you know, they need special technology to do that, to transfer something so large. I, I mean, I, I just think all you're right. Like a lot of times that they introduce it, it's to uh, show some kind of friction or, or really kind of develop the obstacle, which, you know, is kind of convenient sometimes, but I think it's cool. Like, I think it's, it's cool, cool to have it. Yeah. yeah. They use it so also- sparingly that I, I love it when they, they, you know, bring in some science, some science fiction into the story. Um, it just, it makes it more fun for me. And it, and it does, it, it kind of grounds the, this fantasy story a little bit. And one of my favorite things in old EU more than new EU is watching them because a lot of those books are written more like science fiction books. And so they're given this stuff and then to watch the authors try to apply science to it is really fun to try to get them to explain it in a scientific way. I think it's really fun to read the old EU that way to watch them kind of jump through hoops to be like, no, this is why this works this way. <laughs> yeah. And, and then just uh, to add on to that, I mean, I haven't done a ton of EU reading. I, I'm again, casual, Jason. I'm a little casual, <laughs> a little more casual than a lot of people are probably listening, but like, um, it, it does make me think of Adam, just adding on to what you said of how can they kind of add science onto it? And then they also add religion onto it, right? They add yeah. like the religion of Jedi and Sith and the struggle there and the, the science and mysticism of the big Jedi uh, temples and, and artifacts and things like that are really yeah. kind of fun. There's a lot of mechanics in those Jedi temples. There's always like a huge stone wall moving and it's like, oh, they move it with the force and don't worry about the mechanisms and it just happens. Don't worry about it. Yeah, totally true. Yeah. Yeah. So aside from tension, it also adds uh, like chance. Like there, you know, it's inference, and then there's 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 the chance that it will work, right? Like like the carbon freezing. I'm thinking about that, and like yeah. And then when you bring in like the idea of chance, like it could go wrong, and then I think that that goes back to the force, right? And and kind of the luck of the force and things like that. And it's interesting. Like I think science is used in a number of different ways in these films. And, uh, and my first, I think my first inkling of science when watching these films was the interrogation droid and Leia and being uh-huh. like, what's mm. in those needles? Like, what is, what yeah. is that thing? Yeah. Hacking? That's a good like, one. I gotta yeah. know what's in there because there's, there's, there's gotta be loads of different, you know, uh, biochemical, you know, agents that they've developed in that galaxy. They're just different and interesting. So yeah. And stuff like that. And, you know, being a kind of biologist, you know, there's there's a few different wings of biology, right? I, I'm more of the genetics, cell biology, kind of uh, biotechnology kind of wing. But there's also obviously like environmental, there's kind of zoology. And think of zoology, you know, there's all the aliens. You guys love aliens yeah. on the show. I know you love aliens. <laughs> oh, yeah. You do. Big aliens. Uh, <laughs> big aliens, little Cheers. aliens, yeah. sentient aliens, uh, trash compactor aliens. Doesn't matter, right? There's like uh there's such a, a wide range and I, I think that's fun right like yeah. you could just make up so much in star wars about like different aliens and what they do and what their behaviors are and it's just fun like there there are different it's, ways the anatomy to always fun. feels cogent it feels like the anatomy works like whatever they develop they really do think about the skeleton they think about how it what it eats you know what it looks like how it thrives in its environment like they really do a lot of work so developing. they have a bipedal bias in uh in star yeah. wars yeah a little bit yeah it'd be it'd be nice to get some more you know different like snake creatures and i'm still creatures. waiting for a quadruped jedi at some point yeah well they had this snake so jedi in some of the yeah. recent stuff which i i was like fascinated i mean yeah all the way back to phantom menace oh, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> over yeah. Uh, yeah i don't know i 
I think we've kind of stumbled onto my my big pet peeve in sci- sci-fi and fantasy is uh, having races of people called humans that are clearly not humans if they're not from Earth and evolved from primates right. on Earth, right? Yeah. Uh, so you know, like humanoids, I think, is the, the the nomenclature they try to shoehorn so pretty much weird. everything bipedal yeah. into. Oh, I hate it though. And then even and then if they're everyone... green and breathe like you know hydrogen. How insulted would you be if you were in another planet and they referred to you as a humanoid? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and then I think it's insulting that everything else is called an alien. It's like, come on, right? right. Like, yeah. <laughs> everyone, all it's these true. like millions of other species called aliens just because they're not humans i know i think we stumble over that all the time too when we're talking about it right like we always say like oh they're like humans and we have to be like wait nope they're they're species like it's such a weird like it's so interesting now i'm gonna like now i feel like i'm like back in college and staring up the wall with friends being like did you ever think about no but like like the fact that we (laughs) we don't have this a true understanding of this at a societal societal level because Yes, we talk about aliens, the possibility of alien life out there. We have a lot of literature about it, but it's not part of our lived experiences, right? So it's just this weird thing of every time you see it in sci-fi, it has to be something that feels like they have to create this whole concept because like, to, to, to realize that we are not alone in this universe in a real way would be really shattering, I think, to, to, to a lot of people in this world and try to figure out what that means. Anyway, that's a weird... Uh, aside no and i love it you know this is exactly why i think star wars is great because it helps us like talk about these different issues it really prompts these questions and i i think that's what's important about art so um if i may i'll move on to a- another thing i i think is really key and um and really i actually didn't think about it until this week and i'm probably late on it but Star Wars is about wars, guys. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's always about a war. There's always wars going on. Yeah, there's right? wars it in is, the stars. I heard. It is easy to forget, though. <laughs> it is. And it really is. Just because the the character, there's so many characters yeah. that are great, uh, and and these little things about family heritage and blah blah blah. But like, it's always about wars. And one thing that you know we see here in our actual lives right but also war and star wars is that it's always a driving factor of an arms race it's always uh the side that usually has better technology or is able to use it better um has an advantage and maybe it doesn't make them win but like i i love um i'll always loop in other things but i i love um some you know the anime gundam right the the big giant robots right Mm -hmm. um and it's a you know it's an ongoing series that has multiple different uh parallel or different universes that aren't really necessarily related but there's always this thing that happens um it's a a common motif throughout most of the seasons and it's that uh you know you, you have these super power these good guys basically the good guys have the the best weapon the bad bad guys make a better weapon and beat the the, the good guys and the the good guys lose their their big robot that it gets damaged and then the good guys have a second version of it and it's better <laughs> it's the best standing by and it helps them and then the bad guys catch up and then there's like a climactic battle of, of uh, you know between or among different factions that have roughly similar strength things and it's always about you know how the good guys are better morally or have better tactics or something like yeah. that um and i always think of that like 
in terms of Star Wars too, because it, it, it's fun for me to always think about like X wings and Tie fighters, and I I feel like X wings are always the coolest. Uh, I think you know yeah. maybe I'm too vanilla in that way, but like X wings are the coolest. Nope. They can do I, everything. Uh, right. Have you seen a B wing, my friend? Uh, <laughs> I I think I have. That, what that starfighter is way too cool. I am a big fan of B wing. Sure, so, so, I have no idea how they work, but yeah, exactly. Like how how does it work? I don't know. It's space magic, but like, uh, but it, it's always fun to to see that. And you know, I I always think of like this ongoing drive because there's always a war the stuff is always getting better. And you see, um, you know, even in a, a new hope, you have just the tie fighters. You basically have just the X wings and the Y wings. Right. And, yep. and Han ship. And then empire, you have bombers that come out of nowhere and the, they're, you have this po- probe droids that you don't know what they're for, but they look freaking menacing. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you kind of learn, you know, the Empire always has like better technology, and so it, they just have an advantage in that way. Um, they they could make the best weapon. They could do the. They have the resources to do the the most research and development. And the rebels are always just kind of scrapping and, and trying to find what's old and reusable. Yeah. Um, and, and I I always love that. Like, it, it's just a, a a strange but like oddly cohesive narrative of like how uh how basically rebellions tend to work but through technology through like what they have um yeah and you always see them scrapping together like what even the just the um when is the first time you see a y-wing that has all its armor on right it's like in clone wars i think yeah yeah Yeah. right but it's always in the in the lore that the y-wings were like these glorious ships that uh just got too old and hard to maintain and it's just easier to repair them all the time if they didn't have those big bulky armor plates on right and yeah. those little things i think make star wars come to life and i'm just wondering like you know now that i said all this i, I feel like i'm ranting and raving a little bit but i, I don't get to talk to star wars people so much <laughs> so it's really fun <laughs> to do why we're here yeah yeah uh, so does that really well, like this is it totally makes sense. And this is really interesting. This is why I love having this this science perspective in here, because the other thing I thought about, too, was like, you know, you get so much slack thrown at the at the star at the movies because the Empire just keeps making giant space moons with lasers. Right. Like that's their go to. Mm-hmm. But isn't that also kind of true about technology, right? Like it's all about innovation, right? And so you have the rebels innovating, right? Like even doing the idea of like the 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 Y wing, knowing okay, well we have to do this to make it better. We have to we have to try these new things. We're trying, we're connecting these things, and then the big bad just keeps going. Well, it worked last time, so we'll just try it again, right? Like no innovation, no updating. I don't know, just make it bigger, like right? Like I think yeah. about like not to not to talk about like iPhones and the evil empire of that, but it's just like. Like I feel like they their their gap in the past ten years is I don't know make it bigger make it smaller bigger smaller a little bit bigger this time that's our innovation right that's what I mean where it's like technology is tired it's just like it's been around they've discovered everything they can discover and you know what is the Death Star I mean it's a giant lightsaber right it like it's it's a you know and they're like what if we took like lightsaber technology but made it a gun you know or a blaster right to be in the universe but I don't know it's it's the yeah, they, they don't have much room to go, but one of the, the worst parts of the Empire is that it's like it just saps all the it has way more resources than you do because it's stealing all your resources. And then they just 
they're bigger, stronger, there's more of them, and they're just going to be a, a larger force that destroys you. So they have all the resources to make more stronger, better, tougher. Yeah. But you're so right. I mean, you're talking me into this being like we were this really should have been a pillar i think because between like grant saying that it's a secret sauce like i think you're dead on there yeah. and well, i think uh, we're circling we're circling something yeah. really important here and i think yeah. that's a lot of people discount st science when it comes to star wars but i think yeah. you could also make this the the argument that jason's making which is there's a lot of experimentation in Star yeah. Wars, and especially in Rogue One, right? We're experimenting with the Death Star. It's, it's a scientific experiment, you know, right. I, I would argue in a lot of ways. And there's a lot of experimentation in terms of the Rebels being ad hoc and slowly building their forces to to match up the Empire, and the Empire still testing more and more things on their front, especially cloning in the background, or we, we you know, of course, we learned about in the sequel trilogy. I mean, you could argue that science is, is there's a huge chunk, a huge chunk of Star Wars is about science. I think, I think yeah. that's a fair argument, especially with the amount of experimentation that's happening. Um, yeah, and you and, even and get it. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Adam. Sorry. I was going to say, just kind of build off that. You get that in the sequel trilogy, right? I'm thinking about like Force Awakens. You have Han uh, jumping light speed. Like he tries a couple of different like yeah. light speed jumps in that movie. Right. And then by the third movie, you have light speed skipping, which is like a total cheat, as we can talk about it. It's like, yeah, but, but, but like you can see that, like you can, you know, if you're just looking at it, you can see that connection of experimentation, right? Of like, what if we did this, whatever this is, right, would allow us to do this, something that we haven't done before. And there, um, <laughs> you brought up the, the kind of experimentation and the reiteration of, methods or technologies and one thing you know i i loved kind of drawing the parallel to the gundam series just seeing the evolution of some of the starships so like even just the x-wing right like yeah. you have the the headhunter right that's just the the kind of quote-unquote dumb x-wing it's made right. mostly for for fighting in atmosphere but can be in space and it doesn't have s foils or whatever um then you have the the t65 which is like the the one that is in most of star wars in the uh episodes four five six um and then you T70? come to the sequel the t70 right and you know i just love that someone paid attention to that enough to be like yeah, it shouldn't probably be the same thing for like 40, 50 years. We should probably say that the the big industries that are obviously huge. And I would, a side note, I would love to see a movie. Oh, maybe that's where Dame Judy, Judy Dench fits in. She's the CEO of the Krillian Freight Yards or whatever. And oh, cool. yeah. yeah. Oh, that'd be so freight cool. Yards or, yeah. or Sinar oh, yeah. Systems. Oh, yeah, Engineering, Krillian Engineering, I think, right? Um yeah. But like, I would love to see just a little bit more of that. Get away from this, yeah, the empire, the rebellion. There's yeah. all this money, as we saw in like the sequel trilogy, with the people um, uh, can't abite just be, being rich. Like, there's there's a whole sector of right. people who like don't care about this war. It doesn't matter because they're 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 making these weapons. Right. Uh, I want to go to Sullust and see the Kuat shipyards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I think that was actually in the um, Trevorrow script, but. Cool. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the first scene in like the Nine, nine Nub Disney Plus series. <laughs> don't yeah. don't tease me with a good time. <laughs> yeah. That'll be it's the funny, Jason. Story. When you said all yeah. the all the films are about war, like they are, they are. But 
it just highlighted Attack of the Clones in my mind because it's like the it's like sets up a war, but there's really not much of a war going on in that film. And it just I was running through all the films in my head quickly, just being like, oh, which, which ones have a war in them? And all of them pretty much. But Solo and Attack of the Clones. Right. Like. Those two movies don't really I guess Solo I mean, in, the, in the backdrop, the before. end of Attack of the Clones, there are clones attacking. And and yeah. it's really you're right the 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 war is, uh, you know it, the way it ends. The the war begins the Clone Wars. Begins. All I'm All saying right. is I like that film even more. Yeah <laughs> yeah, I mean we we would be amiss to skip over cloning. Can we talk about cloning now? Because I mean it, yeah. it's it's in the name of one of the the major Skywalker saga. So I think we should we should talk about cloning. Yeah, so I get to put on my my science actual hat on my. Please do. My gloves, my pull out Your my white data. Coat. Um, yeah, no, I'm not going to dive super deep into it, but um, you know, it's just kind of interesting that how cloning came about in Star Wars, uh, right? Because like the first mention is pro- what in A New Hope when, when yeah, yeah. Kobe says the Clone, Clone Wars. Wars, your father, yeah, you... follow along your father. Right. Wait, what's the quote? You guys know the quote. Uh, serve you valiantly in the Clone Wars, something like that. Yeah, you, like, you fought it. in the Clone Wars. Served alongside your father in father, the Clone, Clone Wars. Wars. Yeah, yeah, right. And like, there was speculation for what thirty years of childhood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. yeah. What is that? What that could mean, right? Like, yeah, and it, it's just crazy that like that was, was just like a, a throw throwaway statement, and it could have been, you know, it could have been anything. There was it wasn't really well defined, but like the the real world kind of biological basis of cloning started in, in the science way of really just talking about how to copy little bits of DNA. And so we we would um, in lab basically try to figure out how to do our bacterial or viral genetics, um, learn about the basic biology of organisms by copying bits of DNA and putting them into um, other organisms or or mutating it a little bit and see what happens so right like you mutate a gene in bacteria you plate it on one set of uh basically food versus another set of food and see how they go and kind of estimate what that gene is supposed to do and there is you guys would your minds would be blown at how much they figured out by literally just like streaking bacteria on plates um and trying to mutate them and then streak those bacteria on other plates without ever seeing like the letters A, T, C, and G, which are like the bases in DNA, right? Mm. That's how they figured out a lot of how proteins worked. We're just like, if you knock out this protein upstream of function of another protein, um, what does that mean for for the bacteria? Um, if you cross these bacteria together, what does it mean for that bacteria? Or, you know, what little bits of DNA need to be transferred from one bacteria into another to, to see what happens. So it's a lot of like logic work and you would, I wholly suggest, I wish I had a great resource for you to look at um, or watch, but if you ever look into just cloning or, or really bacterial genetics in the sixties and seventies, like I I think the way your minds work, you would all be blown away how much fun Mm. it is. But um, so when they said cloning in like the 60s and 70s, that's what it meant scientifically. But obviously, like the concept of clones have been around forever and doppelgangers and things like that. So who knows really what they meant? But um, you all remember that Dolly the sheep was the first mammal 
yeah. who was cloned back in 96, July 5th, 96. Um, and side note, if you ever want to go see Dolly, um, my my wife and I on our honeymoon went to the UK and we spent some time in Edinburgh. And I didn't know this. Dolly is there in the Museum really? of Scotland, just rotating in a, a beautiful dog. case. And you can go like say hi to Dolly. I mean, That's obviously it's taxidermy, but it was really cool. And I, I just we just kind of stumbled in there and it was really fun. Um, but yeah, it's just two on our honeymoon. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Good. Yeah. So, so we, um, it's just interesting to me that in 96, the first mammal is cloned. And in what, 99, 2000, when is the Phantom Menace released? 99? 99. 99. Yeah. yeah. A few years later, we, I'm sure George has started his idea of what clones and, and what that process was for his, yeah. For his yeah. uh, prequel trilogy there. Can I let me jump in for a second? Because in my mind, we were talking about that quote right from A New Hope about clones. And I had this spark. So I swear, Jason, I was listening to every word you said, but I was also quickly Googling. It tends to no, be my role on, on the podcast. But um, because I think it ties into this, the fact that like Dolly probably influenced George, right? To think about cloning this idea exactly. of like exactly cloning. A year before Star Wars came out, the, one of the biggest books in the country was The Boys from Brazil, which is about which is this this fiction novel about cloning Hitler in Brazil. Like it's it's this it's this thing. So part of me wonders if George saw that and just threw this mm. line in during shooting of like just Clone Wars. Clones are hot now. People are like worried about clones killing people. Just threw it in there. Didn't think anything about it. And then like 20 some odd years later, had to explain that. And then Dolly's yeah. around. So he's like, oh, I'll just use that to explain like another thing in popular culture. I mean, science culture as well. But Dolly was huge. I, re I still remember that being a teenager and thinking like, this is it. The world's going to change. We're all going to have clones wandering around because of that. So it's just funny how those things can influence, you know, other other arts. You know, anyway, yeah. I mean, no, yeah. that's a that's totally cool. Uh, yeah, I didn't even I didn't know that. I didn't know the boys of Brazil. Maybe I have to read this book or something, but it's, it's not good, not um, good no. but it was very popular <laughs> and, and, and plays into the sequel trilogy quite a bit. Yeah, boys. Yeah, in it's right. Yeah. I mean, especially with the the idea that the, the I mean, they cloned space the Nazis right? had gone to Argentina yeah. and all like that. Yeah. 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 So it's all it's all a, pone, a tone poem is what you're saying, Grant. <laughs> That's right. Um, it runs. Jason, I saw you shared something really interesting. You shared a really interesting tidbit about strand cast cloning. And was that from the in galaxy Star Wars in the galaxy or was that from private research? Right. Scientific? Oh, so, yeah. So I, I obviously went on Wikipedia, which is the leading source of everything in Star Wars. Right. Um, and I, I was curious because. As a biologist, as someone who's done genetic work, strand cast is not a thing we've ever talked about. <laughs> it's not a term. So, like, uh, I was like, what does this mean? And I had to look it up. So, the, the quote I pulled was A strand cast was an artificial life form constructed through various scientific methods, such as bioengineering, cloning, and genetic experimentation. The genetic structure of a strand cast could be significantly altered through genetic engineering resulting in a non-identical clone of the original source. To me, that means like nothing. That was like two sentences of, of like nothing, right? Because like, what does it mean? So yeah. it could be a clone genetic, like identically or well, not. It could be a, an altered clone, which is cool. But like, to me, strand cast is not a necessary word there. Right? 
Yeah, it just I sounds think it does cool. give us a clone clone about the Emperor's intentions, though, right? Because I mean, like, instead of creating an exact clone of him, of himself, he created a strand cast clone. And I, we're getting a little bit into storytelling here, but like the reasoning, the reason to create a strand cast. I mean, like, what what do you guys? Why would you create a strand cast instead of a an exact copy? An exact like, what would copy. be the reason there? Because you'd want to make it better, right? You want to improve upon it. It's like a manipulated clone. Yeah. So it's like mostly I, the same, but it's well, got, you know, yeah. great hair. But listen, like, also, if he made an exact Palpatine, why would that Palpatine want to do what the original right. Palpatine wanted to do? He yeah. would just want to be the most, uh, assuming there's assuming no such thing as nurture in Star Wars, right? It's all nature in Star Wars. It's all just genetic predisposition. But I feel like, um, I mean, I guess his goal at the end was to transfer his soul quote unquote into the strand cast. I mean, I, I'm trying not to be the cynic right here, but the reason why they did that is because they didn't know that it was going to be Palpatine until JJ started writing episode <laughs> nine. And so they'd be like, why didn't Snoke look anything like Palpatine? <laughs> See, before you even started, Jason, I was like, I think my answer to this is going to be so Luke, uh, because I always thought that Palpatine was so covetous of Luke Skywalker in the original trilogy that he would somehow want to integrate in, integrate Luke's DNA with whatever clone he was developing because I think I, I, he seems like he really wanted Luke at his side. He wanted Luke to take Vader's place. He wanted Luke, you know, uh, as his new enforcer in some way. And then I think some people even theorize that Palpatine wanted to do the, the whatever dark transfer with Luke or, or yeah. take Luke's form in some way. Right. Like, and so I always thought Luke would be involved in this cloning process in some way. And then that the Ray Skywalker stuff works a lot better too. If you, if that, if that's all worked in. And I have to stop you right there before you answer, Jason, tell me if you've ever heard him say that before. Oh, I, I is that feel the first like time you've heard him say that. I feel like I might have heard him say that before because I've like, only heard him say that about 400 times. Well, and I don't know if it's come out on air or if it's just that was my, my question. Is how much of it is like during podcast versus like pre or post game? <laughs> yeah, that's just for my own sanity's sake. If your answer is perfectly fine, well, but for the folks but, but out there, Luke has nothing to do with the strand cast cloning and whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'd, li I'd like yeah. there to be some sort of retcon. Grant, where... I think you are. There's not even need for retcon. It could just be con. Like I, I, I think yeah. like I, I would not be surprised. They have now introduced Luke. We don't know what's his hand in in the Mandalorian. We know they're messing around with this stuff. I mean, it's also something they were they did in the old EU. I mean, I always use it as a joke, but there was Luke, right? There was the 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 evil clone of Luke in the old EU. Like they they that's something they flirted with in in Star Wars for a while. Yeah, and I I love I love the idea of he could have totally taken a bit of Luke's DNA and been like, you know, I I can imagine Palpatine being a little um less than humble about himself, right? Like <laughs> yeah. He's got an ego. Like yeah. I, you have to be in have to be an egomaniac, right, to to be in the emperor of the universe or emperor of the galaxy, right? Yeah. Um and I could see him maybe incorporating things, you know, having a scientist incorporate things he thought were useful uh, into the Strandcast clone. Like, that's the thing. Like, Strandcast, to me, doesn't mean anything specific other than, like, mostly based on maybe him and then altered in whichever way is useful for the story, which is totally yeah. cool. But, like, it's just also not a scientific thing. So <laughs> if you ever thought that, it's it's not. <laughs> not yet. 
Not my, yet. So the the big question for me in cloning, um, and in specifically with the Rise of Skywalker, is, and we we've talked about this on air before, on air, whatever, on recording and whatever. Um, they uh, is is why Palpatine ended up in like a decrepit old Palpatine body and not like a spry youthful body. Like his goal is to live forever, right? Like you wouldn't want to go back into a 170 year old man's body. I would assume you'd want to come back. So like, and I think Mandalorian's trying to explain this, like where it's like they tried using Grogu. They tried making like a younger version. Maybe they will rope in Grant's theory of Luke's hand being like, he wanted to be, you know, he wanted to come out in the form of Luke. But like ultimately he ended up just being like, okay, it's just got to be me to, to, in order to make this soul transfer work. Um, that again, still soul transfer, space magic, mesh with technology, yada, yada, um, you know, is there. But I, I'm, I'm wondering if that's going to be part of their storytelling. And, and like the science is going to explain why it had to look like Palpatine on a jib arm at, in, in the final episode there so listen there is and any of the scientists listening now uh will agree there's nothing more realistic about science than it never working like (laughs) you spend your whole time trying to get something to work my god like if i wish i could tell you all the times i tried like one experiment in particular that's like haunts me still five or six years later um you you try it all day every day you you bump up something like two degrees to see if it'll work, and then you have to wait like another thirty six hours, let's say, and it doesn't work. So you have to bump it up another two degrees, and you try it again. Um, that's what science is like. It's so much, uh, and maybe that's what's missing a little bit from the forefront in Star Wars about the development of technology. But kind of what Grant says, and you're saying too, it's like maybe it's not perfect and like we're just seeing kind of the results in the back end of it and seeing you know this is what happens when it's not perfect you you have a a palpatine who's less than spry you have uh you have um that's that's generous yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah you have um he's a meat puppet but cool yeah exactly like (laughs) i mean i think there's just so many ways to go that it's it's fun to think of it not working um, because that's what science is. It's a, it's a lot of things not working. And then you kind of compile a, a model based on the best available information you have. Um, and maybe that's not, you know, as, as um, important to star Wars, but it is kind of a way to go. And um, you know, one, one thing I, I love thinking about it on the cloning topic is how and why all these the clones in the clone army um all the Django fett clones are different like they all have their own personalities yeah Yeah. it's what millions of clones who all are different and they all know each other different it's like it's like when you see like a a litter of black cats and you're like i can't tell any of them apart but you know all those cats can tell each other apart yeah it's like right and they're not even clones those are just like siblings right yeah um it's super interesting to me to to think how how that can be and the the way that we know in biology is through epigenetics which is uh really just how your environment shapes the way that your genetics are expressed so even if you have identical twins who do have exactly the same uh genes 
they have all the the same um alleles all the same sequences in their dna so they should make the same proteins they should do uh basically the same thing in response to the environment um given that they have the same environment even just the little changes in environment uh will make them two different people two very distinct people I could I could build on this a little bit. It's really funny because I'm on the other side of this in some ways, Jason, because I'm a social scientist, right? Mm-hmm. And so in in sociology and psychology, I, I don't do this, but a, a lot of twin studies have been done, right? Yeah. Which is exactly that. Look for twins who were separated at birth, so they have the identical DNA apart from you know random mutations or whatever. But they they're separated completely, and see how then you would hope that the only difference would be their environment. So, right, that's our way in social sciences to look at how environment affects people because of the genes are controlled for, because that's always the biggest question, which we are, by the way, folks, nowhere near answering the social sciences about how much is, how much is, you know, nature versus nurture. Um, so I just think it's really interesting talking about, about twin studies and talking about epigenetics and these things, because we see that applied somewhat clumsily at times in the social scientists, but it is, it is really interesting, this idea of just, you know, how do you explain differences between people who are genetically identical? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it's hard to measure. Uh, you know, this is something yeah. that's really just been able to start being measured in the last 15, 20 years, um, if that. And, you know, there are different hallmarks and markers that you can do to see, you know, if if twin A versus twin B has a higher level of, uh, let's just say, a, a hunger hormone expressed for whatever reason. Um, you can look at particular markers on the DNA of, of them to see um, ways that, that that gene level would be decreased uh, versus the, the one that would be increased. But, you know, it, it's very hard, as you're saying. It's, it's, not, it's not clean. It's not clear. Um, and one thing I, I like about Star Wars uh, and looking just that first shot in Attack of the Clones of like seeing the clones and seeing them yes. like lie. Well, I think it's the first shot of them, of them like in maybe not the cafeteria, but when they're getting their helmets and you yeah. see just like hundreds of the same yes. guy and you see the, the cafeteria shot where you like mm-hmm. when the clone sits down. A lot of Timur Morris. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a ton of handsome dudes just walking around that look exactly <laughs> the same. Yeah. Um, it's It's interesting to see that like you i mean for me i think man they're all the same person but obviously what we learn later on is that they're not like robots they're all really clearly distinct different people um even the ones who go through highly specialized training have different thoughts and um you know they're all inhibited by a certain chip in in their their brain or whatever but like i i love that as just like a, a foundational premise of man i I would love more sci-fi based on that to be honest yeah it's also mixed in with social commentary at the same time right like like it's really powerful when you look at what the clone wars cartoons did with the clones because we don't get that as much in the films but there is this argument that we are more than just our genes right because you have these 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 millions upon millions of people and and you go into this show and you're you start like it still amazes me like because i watch the clone wars i love them but like when we're looking at previews and other stuff, Ben, you'll be able to be like, oh, that's fives. That's this person. That's whatever, right? Just based on their markings. I'm really bad at that because I just, I have no memory. But like, that's powerful. You think about it, right? Like, you're not just saying that's clone one, that's clone two, that's clone three, right? You're, you're calling them by their self-identified name, their self, self-identified traits. Like, it's, it's, it's powerful social commentary, right? This idea that it's not, it, it really makes the tragedy of the clones really something that is 
we don't think about when we watch the movies in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think we've discussed this earlier. Like the biggest, the, the saddest story of the Clone Wars are the clones themselves. It's just like, well, no, they're they're still organic beings with thoughts, fears, loves, like the the whole the whole gambit of emotions, no matter how they were genetically manipulated. And they have all these robust stories and stuff. And it was just their cannon fodder and complete tools and, and ultimately violated their main directive, which was like protecting the Jedi and like bringing peace and order to the galaxy. And yeah, it's the, it's a tragic, tragic story, but fascinating from a science perspective. Yeah. And one thing question, I, I never thought of question the, the Jedi and they're 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 going along with the plan to use the clone army because it's still they're still yeah. life and they're still every time they die, they're extinguishing life. And it's just, yeah, it doesn't it, really it, make a lot of sense, actually. It, That's why I wanted to see better. in the sequel trilogy. I wanted the rebels to have a droid army. And I thought that would that would make that, sense. Yeah. That's even problematic, though, because well, what people droids will get there. are yeah, droids are they, conscious. Yeah. They're like yeah, no, and <laughs> I didn't think about this until like basically two minutes ago, uh, and you brought up the the sequel trilogy, Ben. Um, just the the parallel between having clones who develop their own kind of nicknames and personalities, and how we see that. Finn is treated by the First Order. How he's just had he's just a, a number, right? Right. It's yeah. Just a, a designation, and he's just yeah. someone. He's a, a complete individual who's plucked from his family, wherever he's from. He doesn't even know probably, um, and kind of forced down into what you assume a clone would be like. It would be exactly one kind of uh, just spoiler plate name number. That's yeah. it. Homogenous sort of yeah, just a cannon fodder but like one hive mind warrior yeah mm. they're trying to force you know these individuals into this mold and it's that's a different sort of metaphor i think in its own way um and yeah it's it's sort of it, i mean it is really terrifying when you look at it i don't feel like they really expounded that on, on that enough in the sequel trilogy because it's it's like if you're looking for a big bad and something menacing about the first order, like that's probably the most menacing, awful thing they ever yeah. did. It's like yeah, enslaving sure. orphans. But it's also like it's interesting because, all right, how different is what they did from the Jedi, right? Like the Jedi yeah, also pluck exactly. these infants from their family. And, you know, and the comics are exploring that a little bit now too. you know, where it's just sort of like there's this dic dichotomy and they're like, all right, what's the difference? You know, mm -hmm. the. And it's and interestingly enough, it's in the young reader comics, um, the IDW one. And it's just sort of like, well, OK, you're this is what we do with our Jedi. And it's like this holistic educational approach. And we very much the velvet glove. And then, you know, the the night in the hill when they recruit someone, it's the iron fist. And I don't know. It, they're playing that, with, that, like in that way. It's very sci fi. Like they're playing with really interesting science. Um I think that's, that's the poetry George was trying to sow with the prequels uh, in that I think the Empire, what you're alluding to, Jason, is that the Empire kind of devalues life. First Order devalues life and they just give people numbers. It's, it's very, it feels very sterile and automated and, and mm -hmm. uh, autocratic, like, like, like uh, George's, George's movie THX 1138, right? A lot of it stems from there and this kind of uh, this, the high, this harsh, you know tyrannical kind of control of society 
And um, and I think I think what George was trying to sow is that the Jedi devalued life in the very moment that they that, that they that they agreed to use the clone army. Like right yeah. in that moment, they became the Empire. I think it can be argued, right? And so it, it's fascinating when you look at that, especially with the the epigenetics and and how these clones are all just they're they're all living their own lives. They're they're eventually going to develop their own unique personalities and. It's just it's a it, if the Jedi agree to use this army, I think that's that's where the downfall happened. That's where it occurred, mm-hmm. right? In that, but they, they were between a rock and a hard place, right? I mean, like there the, there was the secret development of a super laser. There was inklings of a dark lord in the galaxy. Like they they really needed some sort of offense against this this threat. But I think they chose wrong. Ultimately, they chose to sacrifice life, which is really never yeah. the right choice. It, and it seems. To be what all old old older states states people do is they they use young life to fight wars and it's it's wrong and it's it's yeah yeah I mean that that's the razor thin line that I think is the the dogma of the Jedi that they cross there it was like okay you can steal children away from their families for this higher purpose that's based on nothing but virtue and bringing peace to the world and spreading love and never attacking and never causing harm and only helping people. But like, as soon as you made the Jedi generals in a military, it's all corrupted and it's all for naught. And like, now you're conscripting clones and now you're wasting life. And now all these like monks that were supposed to be bringing peace to the galaxy are bringing war. And like that, that was the ultimate hubris of the Jedi that brought the fall of the order. Mm. Um, I'm hoping, and, and this is, a mini side tangent, but I'm hoping that um, Obi-Wan Kenobi's series is at least a meditation on what was wrong with the Jedi. I hope yeah. that it frames him for a new hope to be like, yeah, Luke, I know you want to be a Jedi. It's good that you want to be a Jedi. You shouldn't be exactly a Jedi. Uh, yeah. You should be better. I, I yeah. hope that's what it is. I don't know. I hope it's him dealing with the PTSD of basically having to stop his brother uh and see his brother's downfall right yeah um uh, brother and in, in anakin yeah um, and, and i hope it's him just trying to figure out what went wrong and, and him conversing with yoda or, or you know anyone any of the force groups yeah. whoever um just what was wrong and like what they need to do to correct it because i i get the sense that yoda really does feel that deep regret and like he's yeah. long lived he had a whole life to, to kind of think about some of this stuff and he was so blindsided that i think on Dagobah he's just like stewing in that just like yeah uh I, what can i do to make this better i don't know i but that yeah. that's what that's my secret hope is okay Which, i'll get off this 100 percent yeah. behind you on that 100 percent behind you on that and and there's so many times with yoda in particular where he's He's like in the Clone Wars series, he saw a prophecy about this and he's, you know, feels a disturbance of the force. And it's like he's been warned a million times. And now we're seeing him live through the High Republic. Yeah. That's and, yeah. you know, and, and I really believe that this corruption starts there and they're sort of playing with that. Like, oh, this is the, you know, utopic utopia Jedi in the High Republic. And then everything sort of goes sideways and it starts there. And so it's really a shame. And so, but I guess in after revenge of the Sith, it's him, the, the chickens coming home to roost. I don't know if that's the right um, term, but he's just like, you know what? 
I got to sit this one out. <laughs> I got to take a knee because like everything I was just absolutely wrong. You know, like, oh, this is the will of force of the will of force of the will of force. And then he's like, this was terribly wrong and I could have stopped this. And and I watched all this happen and, and I need to go. I, I need to go into exile, which is another sort of thing that sort of slaps you across the face. It's like, well, you got the guy on the ropes, like just go back after Sidious. But he's just like, no, nah, this is all wrong. I got to go. Yeah. You know, I think I think this discussion actually is a, is a good argument for why Star Wars, as we started off, this should be considered science fiction, even if it's not hard sci fi, because doesn't the best science fiction make us think about these ethical questions yes. and dilemmas and social, like how things relate to social commentaries, right? We just started talking about clones and talking about the science of that, but then got really quickly into the moral questions surrounding, mm. surrounding that. And, and, and I think that the best sci-fi does that, right? Fantasy doesn't really normally do that, right? Like you're not, I, I don't think you're reading. No, I mean, Ben, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it to you, but I don't think you're reading, you know, game of Thrones, you know, yeah, I watched the entire series and, and applying yeah. it to, today too much right like no like not it's not the same way yeah. fantasy is just that it's just like get me out of here yeah mm. um speaking of the force um maybe we should talk about uh this is another point of I, i'm not going to steal it uh, uh, that jason brought up like science in the force you mentioned jason what what do you think about yeah that? so i was um <laughs> I feel like I was maybe slapped across the face when the the concept of midichlorians was introduced. <laughs> I mean, I was young, you whatever. Yeah. But like to me, the force it was just a, a perfect. It didn't need to be anything very yep. specific. It was the force that binds us and flows through us. Uh, but also, it is midichlorians, which are essentially. It sounds kind of like. Um, well. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It sounds like mitochondria that are the you know you've That's heard of it as the powerhouse. The power cell. Exactly. <laughs> I, I took right. biology. I remember that. Nice, yeah. Adam. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it's exactly that. And you know, um, evolutionarily, you know, one of the ideas, one of the the hypotheses is that you know all of eukaryotes, which are the the lineage that we are all animals, plants, things that have nucleuses that contain uh, um, the DNA that we have, our chromosomes. You know, at one point, one brave little cell that had a nucleus would happen to envelop a mitochondria, which is a different type of organism um, completely. And that mitochondria is like, okay, I'll just kind of hang in here and uh, still exist, apparently. And they actually have their own little. Um, chromosome they they have their own little genetics and that's why you can um kind of through mitochondrial dna trace your maternal parentage or, or uh you know um, lineage let's say and that was you know just seeing that kind of paralleled in in star wars the an idea that the number of quote-unquote powerhouses you might have in your body is kind of proportionate to the amount of force power you're able to tap into or whatever that felt like such a almost a cheat in a way and also uh, a couple years before i think that came out i was playing a game that you might all have played of or heard of called parasite eve mm -hmm. do you remember that i, remember. Um, I didn't yeah. play it. I yeah so, i did i didn't oh i did yeah. play it actually yeah yeah I, it was one of the first um, PlayStation games I played. And yeah. I, I was young for that too. But I, I remember that the premise was that uh, 
there was a, basically a force between all the mitochondria in the world, and they decided, okay, this is our time. We're going to start taking over. This is our time to to be the ruling force in the world, and they kind of do all this evil stuff. I mean, I'm I'm really shortchanging the story here because I haven't <laughs> I haven't seen <laughs> it in like while. thirty Pretty years. Good summation, though. Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, but you know that. I didn't like the idea of kind of quantifying in a, a scientific way what the force was. Like, I felt it should be more of a spiritual thing. And this is coming from a scientist. Like, I, I don't want science in all of my stuff yeah. all the time. I don't want a scientific reason, um, you know, to give a little bit about myself. I'm a Unitarian Universalist, um, and I'm very, like, uh, I, I would say I'm uh, basically not anti-theist, but I, I'm, I'm pretty much atheist, kind of agnostic guy. Um, but one thing I like is, is just the ability to not always have to worry about the science and the evidence for everything that drives me yeah. personally. Um, and I, I'm sure Adam has a lot of uh, social science uh, and, and psychological things. I think to, he's to drooling say right now. If I'm oh, I, I, he's actually. No, I, I relate completely. Yeah, you and I are, are almost identical with all of that, right? And so, but I still love the force. Like I want the force to be this this mystical force, right? Like I don't want it explained. It doesn't bother me. It's good storytelling. You don't need everything to have a scientific explanation because. The fact that you could just stick a needle in a person's finger and it tells you whether they're going to be the most powerful Jedi or not is so limiting. It's just, oh, it just, yeah. I, Jason, I remember being 19, sitting in, I was not in a good place in my life. So that may have been why I was really not happy with that movie. But I, I remember watching that movie and going, oh, it's Star Wars. I'm liking this. It's, you know, it's, it's not my thing that I'm used to. It's, but it's, you know, hey, we got young. Obi-Wan here, we got some cool stuff happening. That pod race, that's amazing. This is really great. And then suddenly they're like, yeah, the midichlorian level. Like it, That to me is the big record scratch moment of that entire movie, being in the theater going, did they just like say that this is bacteria? The force is like, or like, that was in my mind, right? Like, it was just like, there's a blood test for the force? And I was just, oh, man. Yeah, it's like, did Han just shoot again? Like, the first yeah. time, did he just shoot again? <laughs> did he just shoot twice before Greedo now? Like, yeah. Yeah. And think about the fact that uh, Mandalorian aside, and I think we might come back around to this, like George got pushed on a lot of things. Like he got a lot of heat for Jar Jar, right? Jar Jar does not disappear. He takes less of a role, but there's still Jar Jar in those movies. Midichlorians have disappeared, right? Like that's the one note I think that George took, which is interesting. So it's just, yeah, I think that hit a lot of people in in a weird way. Now until the Mandalorian. Yeah, until the Mandalorian, right? Might have yeah. count. M count. M count. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's where I wanted to yeah. go next. Cause that yeah. So Ben, I'd love to hear like what you're gonna say on that. Cause well, I, I'm always I love take playing devil's advocate if for no other reason it makes smart people say smarter things. Um, that are not me, but I, I, I hit it like a speed bump. I was just like, so you're saying he's really strong? Awesome. Like that was how <laughs> I reacted to that. I was like, I knew he was really yeah. strong. He's Anakin. Like that was my response to all that. Even though I like, I was in college at that point. Like I wasn't like a kid. Like I, I was allegedly an educated um, adult male, but um, yeah, I don't know. It didn't bother me at all. I was just sort of like, Oh, okay. I, I, I was a fair you know. bit younger than you guys when this movie came out. 
<laughs> I feel uh, like I'm, I'm the same age as Grant. About I feel. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like you're definitely closer to Grant than mid thirties. I was, I was, in, yeah, mid-30s. I was in college, so I was like a sophomore in college when in ninety. Yeah, uh, Actually, I was about to graduate from college, so I graduated. Yeah, I was like eleven. I was eleven or twelve when that movie came out. Yes, just, I was. Just, uh, yeah, right I was there. going but, into um, my sophomore year of college. Yeah. But there was a lot of I was watching a lot of anime like anime at the time and uh like a lot of a lot of the a lot of those shows would do like, you know, he's power level nine thousand. Like they were attributing numbers to strength and things like that. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like one once Qui-Gon read that off, I was like, and then Obi-Wan's analyzing it on the ship. I'm like, Okay, yeah, of course. Yeah. A lot of things I'm watching are doing this exact thing. And then now when I look back at it, it's actually like interesting foreshadowing to the clone army and like genetics and biology and and bringing it into the 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 sphere of star wars like it's it's kind of interesting i get why people hate it i get that there's it it kind of disrupts the mysticism of the force i get that i i just at the same time i it might not be true right like what you're saying jason about science like sure you can attribute data to, to to the force to your force abilities but maybe maybe that science isn't 100% 100% accurate right you know? maybe it doesn't work every wrong? time maybe that's and not you have maybe the... anyone can tra- maybe, maybe anyone can um kind of tap into higher levels of the force and show more midi coins in the moment and it's always in flux like you never know really i'm gonna say two things the first is that the way i've learned to live with it is you have the quack who is qui-gon jinn saying it not maybe quack but he's like the fringy Jedi, yeah, he's right? So, pseudoscience. He, he's that yeah. uncle, man. Yeah, he's exactly. Uncle. Like, <laughs> you like second, him. You love the second him. thing. He's like, no, I read a couple books. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, he's also the last character that would probably Joe do Rogan's that. But okay. Podcast. <laughs> um, but but uh, the other thing, and Jason, you'll appreciate this, I'm sure, is that the other way I've gotten around it is that plus the old adage that correlation does not mean causation, right? So. <laughs> So we get this that maybe there is a correlation between midichlorian levels and 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 uh, Jedi, but there's something else going on. Yeah, and and I love that, and I also I feel like I say I love that a lot because I agree with a lot of what you guys say. <laughs> we like to hear, um, we love to hear it. <laughs> but I, I I also heard that, and this is where I was also going to go um, play my own devil's advocate. I loved hearing it in in uh, the. Oh my goodness, Mandalorian! Mandalorian, yes, thank yeah. you. I loved hearing the Mandalorian. I loved like that they right, brought yeah. it back. It and didn't I, kill me. I the, Disney just, only like doubles and triples down. Like it does, it's never gonna retreat fully. I'm just gonna say that. Yeah. So that first mention hated. The second mention I loved it because like if that's a reason that they can't clone things well, if that's a, a struggle right? that they're bumping uh, up against, that's super interesting to me. Like. Yeah. Why? Why? Why is that an issue? Now I want to know more. Like, why? Yeah. Why is this difficult? Is that why Palpatine's having not great times doing what he ends up trying to do? Um, is that why he can't just make another batch of Jedi and and have it at that? Is that why he can't have another Luke? Is right. That, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's how point. the midichlorians are behaving, right? Like in. A lot of well, not a lot. So it's precedented in um, Force Unleashed two. It's just like, and it would just be problematic story wise. Like you couldn't, like if you could just clone Jedi, it would be a really annoying galaxy to exist in. And so they don't want to do that. So they're like, oh, we're creating these problems. But the the midi 
quotient there. So I think helps that it's just sort of like, well, okay, yeah, we know they have great midichlorians and we want to clone people with high midichlorian counts and we want to see, you know, how much of that is preserved in the clonos. Like, and it, but it just doesn't work because mysticism, because magic, because spirituality mm-hmm. or whatever it is, like he's sort of overpowering the science, I think in there. Yeah. Um, and, and that, that's, that's the out they have. I, I don't, that, at least that's my own head canon yeah. as far mm-hmm. as to how it didn't work. I mean, ultimately they cloned Palpatine and he could still use the force. Um, but they had to use some raggedy old jib arm version of his body to do it. But, uh, you know, so there, there's a lot of room, a lot of, lot of wiggle room for science and mysticism to fight each other there. And I mean, was he even as powerful as he was before? Who, I mean, right. it's hard to tell from yeah. the little bit. Not until, he, not until he absorbed that dyad and then, you know, all like which is there's no science in that dyad at all that's pure (laughs) mysticism right but that's the interesting thing is like now if we're talking about cloning and if the midichlorians stop it from cloning or perhaps you can't clone midichlorians for some reason so maybe he is getting clones but they have no force ability like it's just it does open up a door and i similarly when i heard that in the mandalorian i was okay with it it was a weird moment too where i'm like interesting like this is like because i because you leave it leave it alone and you have enough time and I trust where they're going. But it's really funny. My anecdote with that is my wife, who we've talked about, is always my litmus test for Star Wars because she loves the movies. She loves Mandalorian. That's about it, right? Like she and by I love the movies. I mean, like the original trilogy and sequel trilogy. She's watched the Clone War. She watched the, the, the prequel trilogy when they first came out. And then I made her watch it before no she actually she wanted to so it's on her she wanted to watch them before force awakens came out so she's only heard midichlorians twice if you do that math right yeah we were watching that episode and i thought that was i heard that i thought that would be going way over her head not way over but like just to mention she re- looked over me and she goes and i won't swear so you don't have to put a bleep in but she goes <laughs> thank you are they talking about bleeping midichlorians <laughs> like that's how much of an impact that has had on our society wow. that a person who's seen that movie twice hears m count and goes are you talking about medical audience <laughs> like, yeah. that's impressive i mean it was I, I feel like that's a i feel like that's more of a testament to your wife than it is to, <laughs> to the, the impact of medical maybe it's, it's i not. was very impressed yeah yeah, yeah. Wow. back to what you were saying jason about how the midi chlorines are being used now versus how they were used in the prequels i think I think you're totally right. Like the the as a plot mechanic in the prequels, it's a quick way to show Anakin's power level and compare him to Yoda very quickly. But it's kind of superfluous. It's kind of it doesn't feel really needed. It doesn't feel integral to the story really. But in in the Mandalorian and how we're how we're seeing them used now with the cloning and and how the success rate of the clones and things like that. Now, midi chlorians actually have a better spot as a plot mechanic in the storytelling. And I think. Going back to science and storytelling in Star Wars, I think it's it's how you employ the science. It's it's so important that the science it, it doesn't overshadow the characters and the mysticism and the force and you know the high the high octane adventure, but it should be used in a clever way because because you're only going to employ it a couple times because we are talking about you know a space fantasy at the end of the day. But it's it's when you do employ it, it should have more. There should be more weight to it and there should be more directions you can go with it than just a quick, you know, hey, here's a comparison to Yoda. Also, it's in the Mandalorian. It's done by scientists in labs, not by a space monk. Right. (laughs) And I think that might be what part of the thing is I have like I have a mystical character talking about 
a scientific test, right? The more I think back to like the Phantom Menace, it's like, I don't want Qui-Gon talking about a blood test. But then in the Mandalorian, right, that scene, they're they've 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 raided the lab, they're looking at the they the scientists have blown up the like right, like so it's more like, oh, these are non-force users trying to figure out what the force is, quantify it and clone it, right? Like that's super interesting. I feel like a better story would have been quite would it be Qui-Gon denying that midi chlorines give you power or, or give you any right. sense of power like if anyone was going to do this test with Anakin it may have been like I don't know Jocasta New or someone who keeps track of like Jedi statistics and things like that like Qui-Gon Jinn should have offered that other perspective of like those don't matter you know like right. maybe Obi-Wan knows about it but like he felt like the Jedi who doesn't really analyze things and, and conduct any sort of his motivation, analysis. though, Qui-Gon's motivation, though, is to make the prophecy be true, like to really add weight to the prophecy. So he was shoehorning science in to add weight to his argument, I think. He's like, look, this proves it. Like, midichlorian count. He's the chosen one. I told you he's the chosen one. Like, I've been telling you this is going to happen. Um, yeah. I, I think yeah. he's, he's using it to, to sort of prove his argument. He's not really a scientist. Yeah, as a person who deals with statistics, I feel like now we're going to get into a discussion of scientists uh, putting their thumb on the scale. Like, like I, right. I have this picture of Qui-Gon. There's like 17 different uh, statistical tests yeah. for, for that. He runs every single one, but doesn't understand what an alpha level of 0.05 means. Anyway. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I could totally see that. Um, here's I, this is actually taking an interesting turn. And I here's what I would have been in, more interested in would be if Anakin had like a super low midichlorian count yeah and then Qui-Gon still had like he just feels that he's right and then maybe Grant's idea of fluctuating midichlorian counts comes in the uh uh, comes to fruition because Anakin has a temper he's lived he he's seen things he's felt things before that Jedi you know haven't had most Jedi haven't had in their their lives because they've been kind of in a temple a kind of a guarded temple at least during that age most of them uh lived in a time of peace and they were kids and they kind of grew up as you know just kind of being in a temple until this war started right oh man i i would have yeah, loved to see that of, yeah i like yeah. a lot like stale talking heads and obi-wan just doing the analysis you know in during the time the test happens you could, you know, Anakin could exhibit his force powers and then you could see it fluctuate and then you could see yeah. Obi-Wan react with, with more immediacy and it could be right. you know, uh, faster paced, you know, the, the kind of bombastic Star Wars ride that we all want. And to tie that into like maybe genetics, not that it's one to one, but like the way I feel like a lot of people talk about genetics is if let's just say you Jason has this gene that has been correlated with um, just being devastatingly handsome and smart. Just <laughs> makes saying. sense. Yeah. It makes Check sense. It right. Um, and, and people assume that just because Jason has this gene that makes him so smart that he has to be smart. Mm-hmm. And what if he's, you know, uh, just because he takes the SAT and doesn't get the highest score. Like, what does that mean? Does that mean that, the correlation isn't right that he's not smart does it mean that the test isn't right to you know does it mean that it's just a wrong uh fit for what smart is supposed to be i who knows like and i think those are i always see interesting because i think there's so much is interesting but yeah i I think those are ways to kind of explore these themes of 
um, of not being completely right that maybe the midichlorians could have i think if there were more time um on lucas's part of fleshing that out a little more if he wanted to I, i'm not saying he right. should have we're but, all about could not should yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. You know, I we've think said that... should about a thousand times in this podcast <laughs> yeah. could is our preferred nomenclature and, and i'm a scientist so I, I almost never say should it's yeah it, it either <laughs> is or might be um yeah. right <laughs> uh but yeah i think that would have been an interesting way to to go of of demonstrating that this whole system is messed up and anakin's the one to bring it down because he was super underestimated as opposed to being seen as this powerful force you know he was a powerful force but they just didn't think in the same way um because they were blinded to this whole way jedi thought for i guess at that point which was the story there they tried to tell but i I think through your lens they could have told it in in more detail yeah absolutely yeah awesome um why don't we why don't we point this towards the end here um jason any any closing um remarks on on science this has been awesome man i just want to say this been so insightful um talking to you and it's really nice to have an actual expert in the room when we talk about uh something specific um even you know if it's it's biology focus this has been really great man so appreciate that well but, uh, first of and- all first of all really fun thank you for for having me i have to say this and um i know that during the last year or so it's been a challenging time for me personally uh just you know family life work life and everything and just having you guys to to listen to as i for some reason, I just think of me mowing the lawn every weekend. <laughs> just the, the thing, you know, nice. when you listen yep. to the podcast, there's like a thing you do sometimes. Oh, yeah. Like sometimes it's going grocery shopping, oh, sometimes it's cleaning the bathroom. I'm, I'm doing I'm dishes. Mowing, yep. Yeah. Dishes. Um, I'm always mowing the lawn, uh, usually on the weekend when, the, when this comes out. So thanks nice. for the company like that. Um, very helpful. And um, I will say you you three are some of the, the nicest people I've met over the last year, although the number is kind of low that I've met. <laughs> yeah, not a competition. Um, we'll take I, it. We'll take I'll it. also say Greg's more of a diva than I thought would be. Yeah, uh, we don't like to talk about it, but he can be a little challenging. Yeah, yeah he's a little demanding. Sorry, fine. Like, he's a decent guy, but like a little bit of a diva. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, but no, let, let's circle back to the, the science a bit. Um, I think you guys actually changed my mind on something and I, maybe it's that the first thing I I wrote on an outline when I was, was thinking of what to talk about was science or star Wars is a science fiction light, uh, series. And I think it is still science fiction light in the, you know, in comparison to star Trek, something like star Trek, where it is based on lots of science and, um, you know, Earth's evolution of the people and its population and what the knowledge is um, on that front. No, it's not quite the same. But just looking at all the threads going through all the stories, the, the series, the characters, the the plot concepts, it's just interesting really to see how how things evolved and um how there are cues taken from from items earlier on that are carried through and i think that is a way to convey a science fiction story um is it the most hardcore probably not i don't know uh, i don't know what hardcore science fiction really means but uh, it, measure it or... yeah it, but i i think you know it can be 
fantasy but also science fiction in a way so i think you actually swung me closer to it being science fiction than i thought i was before so um definitely appreciate that and i think this is a a really fun chat and i'd love to talk to you guys more about it um not even about science necessarily but star wars in general uh and life whatever you know you just call me i'm casual jason remember just it's <laughs> right uh, we know oh, we know how to find yeah. you yeah, it's a pleasure to have you, Jason. Gotta say, and loved bouncing ideas around with you because I too am walking away, away with this new understanding that yeah. maybe Star Wars is more sci-fi than I'm giving it credit for. Like, I really do think there are more scientific elements in Star Wars than people are are thinking there are, and that I it's I'm now going to be thinking about that going forward, and um, I can't wait to talk to you again about all the new stuff we see in the upcoming shows and movies and all that stuff. So you got to come back. Yeah, Love to. definitely. I agree. I, I so very similar. I was like, Nope, star Wars, not sci-fi. And I'm like, well, it's there, right? Like it's a mix of everything. And isn't that why it's so successful, right? You look at star Wars. It really is just a mishmash of all these things that are really popular and really important. Yeah. But it's a perfect cocktail, you know, and, this is just another like element that I overlooked and and there it is. And that's the beauty of this podcast and um and, and what you know why you make it richer, um Jason, for being here. It's like I always come into this podcast with an idea and a theory, and I think I, you know, know this thing, and then I bounce it off um, you know, Grant or Adam, and then now with you here, and then I come away with an entirely different thing. Yeah. And, like that's what this is about. Like that's why we do it live, you know, like it may be stodgy and weird, but like over the course of a podcast, if you dare to listen to our podcast for two hours, um, by the end, we're going to come to something really cool and like a new understanding of Star Wars and something that'll stay with me for the rest of my life. Um, like an entirely new lens. That'll and be I'm, I'm happy to be part of anyone's stodgy, weird experiences. So <laughs> definitely appreciate that. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> of course. That's, that's what we're happy, about. Happy. Yeah. All right. Well, we we couldn't possibly let you go being you are our third um, guest we've ever had. Um, and with the other two, we have the this special segment that we oh do boy. Yeah. <laughs> with all the guests. <laughs> it's painless. Trust me. Um, it's a it's a little uh, hyperspace speed round quiz uh, that we yeah. do. Um, Adam, do you want to yeah. uh, MC this? this so affair? this is low pressure. We're just going to give you some choices to make something to pick whatever top of your mind just name it um no pressure you can always say pass mm. and if you want to give a quick reason for the choice if you feel like it but uh, we're just gonna kind of just do a quick speed round all right let's do it first up though i think we actually already covered this uh x-wing or tie fighter Ooh, i i am x-wing for many reasons um i'm always a rebellion dude even though mm. all the coolest i i'd say all the the lego sets which is another hobby of mine is collecting star wars lego sets yeah, uh, not necessarily building them if you can see the the stuff behind me i actually have oh, no. oh, this ATAT down there yeah. oh, well, i got the dude. mandalorian atat um i got the t65 x-wing up there but i also have like the stormtrooper helmet the boba fett one pose x-wing uh nice. wing all in boxes i have not assembled <laughs> yeah. during this whole year that i've had i know in theory more time to to uh, do but yeah i love x-wing uh mostly through the video games and rogue leader uh i love all those yeah can i just interject right here before we continue with this because i meant to mention this you know we talked about how the uh empire has all the strongest tech 
Um, and so this is a science thing. Mm -hmm. But the X-Wing is actually a much superior starfighter to anything the Empire has. It has shields. It has hyperdrives. It's like it's it's actually like well, and it doesn't have well, a, is it the pilot or is, is the, it the starfighter? It doesn't well, have caveat. the speed and maneuverability of a tie fighter. No, but I mean the shields and the hyperdrive make it just like they they talked about it a lot in the Alphabet Squadron um, series recently. How it just like it just it's a wood chipper in a in a dogfight and in starfight battles. Here's so the I just want to say that's the that is the one piece of tech that the rebels have that um, the the empire doesn't have and they make it philosophical like eh, whatever it's just cannon fodder send them out there they're faster they have like blasters whatever they'll kill you but the the x-wing is far superior to any starfighter that the empire has you're very yeah. right and that's why they have like 20 of them right <laughs> it's right, like right yeah like 20 the of them versus like a thousand steel and and kind of figure out how to to get you know a few uh side by side every now and then but like i i that's what i that's kind of what i love about the rebellion in a way it's like they figure out how to do things um and i i got that a lot from the comics i, I i've done more reading through the comics than i have the the novels and such yeah. um i love marvel unlimited but i'm always so like good. six months behind so yeah. um but yeah i i love that i love just how they have to hobble everything together and uh, yeah, just the Y wings, the old Y wings, the X wings, the A wings, which are awesome. Like, actually, the A wings might be A wings are my favorite. Yeah, technology wise. Um, but yeah, I I will agree on that point. That's totally true. But also, it's like the the Empire can like they have those experimental ones. They just never mass produce them because they're like not right. worth. I, yeah, I love how they were like it's, they're like we can either do tie defenders. Or we can make a uh, Death Star. We can't do both. We right. couldn't and possibly do both. And also, <laughs> they have so many more humans, right? And I'm going to say humans because they are very speciest. Um, and so so they're just going to... To me, it's just like they have all those people to put through the wood chipper. So they don't care, right? Like, it's just this number. And one thing I'll say... And by the way, I, I if I was answering this, I would also be saying X-Wing. But looking back at squadrons, like if I was I'd flying as a TIE fighter... Like blown away, ten Tie Fighters just felt like eh, whatever, right? Like it's just like that. Done. Done. But if I was flying as a Tie Fighter and I could take out two or three or four X Wings before they got me, I felt like a god. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which explains why those pretty much pilots can be so balanced. Cocky, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I disrupted the speed round. That was that was. A... Yeah. Okay. So we got through one question. <laughs> that was a necessary. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's see. All right. Uh, sorry. Faster. Yes. No. No. This no. is good. Uh, blaster or lightsaber? Oh. Hmm. I have to go lightsaber. Yeah. I have to go lightsaber. Um. I in previous days I I like to dabble in kendo. So if you're not familiar, that's Japanese uh, sword fighting where you have the armor. You you might have seen it before. Oh, sure. um, I love I love kendo um, and I, I love lightsaber. So, yeah. Nice. <laughs> uh, Jedi or Sith? Oh, I'm such a nerd. I have to go Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. I think we're pretty simpatico so far. Uh, favorite color lightsaber? Ooh. I loved in in uh, Jedi Fallen Order 
like just switching around because I, I thought yeah. I thought I loved like uh oh what did I I thought I loved green and I, I do love green um as a lightsaber it's not even my favorite color blue's my favorite color greens I thought was my favorite lightsaber color but I love just like a purple or pink now Dude, yeah. same. I think I arrived at like a purple pink. I was just like, nah, it's yeah. just the baddest. It's like a royal color. I don't know. It's the yeah. best. It's really cool. Yeah, I, did, I went on the same journey. I was like, I oh, know blue's my thing. And then I was like, the green looks so cool. Yeah. And then you get like fuchsia and you're like, no, man, no one's messing with a fuchsia lightsaber. <laughs> I'm telling you. Now, maybe if I, blue was like the unique color, maybe this would be swapped. But like blue is the, the standard. And I, I feel like the pink, purple, yeah. magenta, whatever. I always used to do uh, in what was it Jedi Academy and then Fallen Order used to do yellow. Yellow is the one I really, really like because I'd never seen it. it was right. Pretty was exotic. Really... Yeah. 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 Um, who would you want to teach you the ways of the force? Ooh. Now, I think. And big caveat uh, again, uh, confessions haven't finished basically any of the animated series um but i am so looking forward to diving into ahsoka and her background that i i want i wish i could learn from her like if anyone had a a thing to teach like the wizened ahsoka after years of what she what i know she went through in in clone wars but also um you know after whatever she's doing mandalorian like i'd love to hear thoughts great choice I like that a lot. Great choice. I, I could talk for another half an hour about it. <laughs> yeah, we got to be careful. There's like Continue, Adam, to... with the questions. Yeah. <laughs> Cut off Ben's mic. Uh, let's see. If you had all the films laid out in front of you right now, which one would you watch? So we know it's not Solo. What it would it be then? Well, no, it, I think it, it might be Solo. Oh, that's I haven't a good point. It. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it would be Solo. Um, but if I pick from the ones to rewatch... Think for half a second. Um, I think probably actually, I yeah, the last one I tried to rewatch and it was on a plane. Um, oh, what's the what's the title of episode? Um, episode seven, <laughs> uh, Force Awakens. Force Awakens. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would I'd start the the sequel trilogy probably again to to get back in. I think to yeah. give the another watch there that's good yeah i definitely have been i have not done that since uh rise of skywalkers come out and i keep meaning to but you know life <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've only watched the, i think the last jedi a couple times that's, yeah. that's it like I, mm. I haven't revisited the force awakens or rise in a long time no yeah. i'm due as well all right uh let's see uh favorite planet uh favorite planet you know it's not it's not here's one of the i feel like the weaknesses of star wars to me personally is that like there's too much on tatooine right and it feels like there's this huge galaxy and like things happen on basically three planets and everyone kind of knows each other which is why i'm excited to like get away from skywalkers because like i just Mm -hmm. hear other things um favorite planet like i i would Honestly, um, I guess I'd love to learn more about Coruscant just because there's it seems so vibrant and maybe like ancient history of of Coruscant. I think it's alluded to a little bit in the 
Um, like, why did the they High Republic book. Yeah. Sorry? Why did they arrive there, right? Like, why did they, like, why did they end up making that their megalopolis? Like, what was yeah. it like for? The High Republic deals with, like, oh, you know, there were still, like, swaths of arid land in the High Republic. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, like, why? Why Coruscant? I, I, and what's it like now? Like, it's, it is so fascinating. It's kind yeah. of, the, to me, it is the planet I'm most interested to see over time, right? Like, Tatooine right. has been Tatooine forever. <laughs> It seems like it right. will always be Tatooine. Right. And the Trevorrow yeah. script had it as like a post-apocalyptic landscape inhabited by like space wolves. And it's yeah. like, no way. Yeah. I want to. <laughs> oh, no way. That would have been crazy. Which yeah. could still totally work, right? They could totally recanonize that because we have no idea what's going on in Coruscant through any of the stuff. They have not touched that in any. Well, we have seen those stuff. statues in Palpatine's office, the, the Duarte statues, the, those <laughs> sages that I yeah. guess philosophers and luminaries from long ago that kind of established like the political system or something like that yeah, yeah. is that right yeah we, we know like a little bit yeah a tiny bit a little bit yep uh let's see r2 or 3po <laughs> i say r2 i think i think i say r2 uh, i could go either way to be honest i think i would have a lot of fun 3po just like being sarcastic with him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but R2, R2 so he's like a kind of like a little jerk in a way. I love it. <laughs> yeah. He's an entertaining <laughs> jerk. He's a little jerk and like um but he he's got the the resume to like back it up, right? Like <laughs> who's been there the whole time? It's freaking R2, right? <laughs> so funny. Uh let's oh, uh, Anakin or Vader. <clears throat> I mean, I I still love understanding the psychology or well, not even understanding thinking about the psychology of Anakin of like how he is just like he's a person like he's the one person who's allowed to be a person and he just happens to have all this power it's like it's like if Superman wasn't a perfect person right it's like yeah uh, it's allowing us to understand ourselves like what would we do if we felt like we lost everything and we're offered some kind of solution to help and um yeah no i i pick anakin for that yeah that's a good one i mean it's it's really the character we get the most character development in all of star wars surrounding because even luke we get it if, if we consider like the the sequel trilogy, but in terms of just getting three movies of, of this character's development. And I think one of my favorite conversations we ever had in this podcast was just I think the three of us spending probably two hours trying to figure out when exactly he fell to the dark side. Like, what was that step? Do you remember that conversation we had along? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think we were doing the rewatch of the prequels and we we're just like trying to figure out what was that moment? Where was it? Where was it too far? Like, where was it the step too far? Yeah, uh, I felt like I feel like I. I remember that conversation and if i can just like add my two cents right like for me it's just him his heart being torn maybe this is what you said but his heart being torn by like in his mind mace windu just like doing whatever he thought he should do against the the code right like against yeah. uh what anakin's been taught the whole time what mate what he thought Mace was telling him the whole time, what he thought Yoda was telling him the whole time. And, you know, just that I could imagine that betrayal being key. And I feel like that's the, that's a weakness of the prequel trilogy. It's just like, it doesn't really articulate in my mind. It doesn't articulate yeah. it very well of like 
what that point is or how yeah. he's See, being the stretched. It's kind of mysterious. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping that's what the acolyte's about. Mm. That it's about uh, someone denied the access to the Jedi or being a mm-hmm. Jedi. Um, and then they just take it out by going out in the galaxy, kind of learning about the dark side. Yeah. I think we're going to get introduced to the higher public. The other kind of news this week is there's, uh, is it Kevin Scott's writing another comic? The The next uh, IDW comic's about a Jedi sellsword, basically a Jedi who's right, no longer a right, Jedi. That's right. Yeah. Ooh, oh, really? Yeah. yeah so, hunter, Jedi monster under sellsword, I think. Yeah. So it's going to be really exactly. interesting. Guess, yeah. Uh, all right. A couple more. Uh, Ewoks or Porgs? <laughs> porgs taste better so i'm gonna go porgs yeah that's pretty <laughs> i like that reasoning i would yeah because that that, that that let me down the path of you wouldn't want to eat an ewok teach like the gamey yeah, like, yeah gamey. It's game. oh, and all Ooh. that fur like god oh, yeah that's gonna be all the clean what does it look um, like under there oh yeah <laughs> uh oh and then lastly uh favorite bounty hunter favorite bounty hunter that's an interesting question. Um, I don't. I feel like I don't have any strong allegiances to bounty hunters. I feel like, at least in most of the the main source material, they're not like fleshed out in any kind of way. Um, what I will say that I, the one reason I'll say Boba Fett um, is because the way I like how they've treated him in the marvel comic series of how he was like hunting down luke how he basically you know he's he fought luke like luke fought him uh on tatooine and somehow survived like i think that's that was one of the most important um you know if they're gonna retcon stuff and and do it i i think that's one interesting way to do it and i i think that was really fun um just showing that like Luke and him had an encounter. Um, Luke kind of got out by luck or the force or whatever. Um, yeah. That's a whole other thing. Right. But <laughs> just yep, the will of the force, the will of the force, <laughs> which has been something I, I've been thinking about basically the, this whole past year of um, how much is, how much is this about the force versus uh, individual people? And right. how much is this universe kind of um, uh, discussing it's, uh, or I guess guiding its own will versus right. um, certain characters. Yeah. I mean, we could do a whole pillar on like free will, right? Like versus right. the force. Yeah. Or there's so should, many. Yeah. Should I have said the right answer, which is Dengar? Oh, good God. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Popular choice. I feel like I, as <laughs> yeah, the so ambassador, Jason signed out. Thank you for joining us for your one and only appearance. <laughs> well, on World uh, it was a pleasure. <laughs> Yes. No, I am I am on board for Dengar if we get the Dengar turning into Rathgar Den story. That's the only yeah. way I am on board for Dengar. <laughs> or if Dengar is the one that actually kills Balance. Um, yeah, or both die together. <laughs> Who doesn't love Dengar? Uh, I might get some I Dengar really in don't. Book of Boba Fett, honestly. I want, I want some Dengar. As some like Rothgar Simon Pegg, straight up live action Dengar. Yes. That I mean, would be great. I'm never going to get angry when they do something like that. Like same thing with midichlorians. Like I'm sure if Dengar walks in, in a scene in the book of Boba Fett, I'm going to be just as excited. <laughs> as you guys. <laughs> uh, another tangent, if I may, because Ben mentioned, I started watching the boys uh, a couple weeks ago. I powered oh, yeah. through in like three days. I watched season one, season two have 
any of you watched The Boys yet? Oh, yes. I've gotten through season one, but I've not watched season two, but I know a lot about it, so it's fine. I've watched season yeah. one, and I've yeah. watched it quite a bit. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would, because yeah. it, it is gory. It, it's, you know, it's like hyper-violent in ways. Um, but Simon Pegg doing an American accent, I had to check like three times to make sure that he was Simon Pegg right. and that I wasn't I, he was blowing my mind with like oh, how wow. good he was as like an American. He's like the dad's the main protagonist. Yeah, yeah uh, it's it, weird. It's, it's, it's weird. It's weird. And also, how is he old enough to be a dad to a guy that I know, well, right? Like when you start doing that math, that, it's so that's not yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, he is. Um, uh, Garth Ennis wrote the comic, right? Is that right? Who wrote the comic? I don't. But uh, nonetheless, yeah. the main character, I believe, looks like Simon Pegg in the comic. I think that's the story behind his casting, is that the main character in that comic looks identical to Simon Pegg. And no so way. then they cast him as the dad of the character. And hired some pretty boy to be like... kind of drawn to maybe well, to <laughs> I don't know if he's some pretty boy, but he's a, the, a different a nerd. Yeah, yeah. 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 Look, <laughs> Let me know if that's person. true. I, I heard it's, that somewhere. I don't know. I don't know either. But... Prettier than Simon Pegg is that acceptable? It's really good to hear though that he does a good American accent because I I, I saw that he was in it. And I got a little like, and then someone said he's playing it, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know, because I got bur- I keep getting burned every time uh, Benedict Cumberbatch starts oh. trying to talk. I'm like, just make oh. he's not a strange British. It's fine. Yeah, and he's not in it a ton, but like right. yeah. when he was in it, I was just surprised. No, it it, it affected me as well. <laughs> Good. I want to see. Yeah, I want to see him more though. He looks so in Battlefront One. He did the voice of Dengar, and so oh, I forgot. Right, so or the Battlefront One that came out in 2015. He was Dengar, which was an awesome character to play, by the way. But um, and it was yeah. There's some iconic voice you know, like quotes from that, that I hope that they carry forth, but I don't know. We'll see. He was already on car plot. I don't know how many more star Wars appearances they'll allow him to have. Yeah. But he's so unrecognizable. I think they'll, if, I mean, I think they say no to, to having Simon Pegg. Yeah, no, no one's saying that. What's uh? so what's this character's name? I'm now down a Wikipedia hole. <laughs> this is still a star Wars podcast, by the way. The boys, yeah, the Simon uh, Pegg plays. Is it, is it Dewey? Is that the main character's name? It's Dewey's father. Uh, Dewey. uh, okay, I'm gonna cut this. Hilarious. This is so, hilarious that this is the wormhole. Yeah, oh, it's Dewey Hugh Campbell. Hugh. Okay, Hugh, yeah. but nonetheless, yep, gotta check it out. Yeah, Dewey in the comics kind of looks like Simon Pegg, but uh. Anyways, uh, enough about the boys, which I, I, I did enjoy that first <laughs> season. I do need to watch the second season. Um, it's it's a little like it's a little grim, dark, and I don't know. Have you uh, seen Invincible yet? Oh, oh, I did watch an episode of Invincible. I love Invincible. That's a great. Yeah, uh, I watched the whole season of that, and it's it's very similar to the boys, just animated. I read that whole comic when it was out. It was it was really I really connected with it. Uh, Fact check, uh, Grant, you are 100% right. Uh, Huey's intentionally drawn to resemble the British actor Simon Pegg, according to Robinson. He drew the character based on Pegg's after seeing him in the sitcom Spaced. So, yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. Very in case good. our listeners sometimes care. They come up with, sometimes I gotta... <laughs> they might not. <laughs> they share. 
They might not. I care. Anywho, uh, Jason, you thank you for enriching our lives with your presence. Um, this has been a fantastic episode, and uh, yeah. I've learned so much. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for all your participation. Um, else, erstwhile, um, man, awesome. Thanks, thanks so much. This has been a, a fun episode. It's been a wee bit long, even by our standards. <laughs> but um, you know what? I hope if you've got a really large lawn that you need yeah. to mow we're there for you we're there for you for the whole trip um so uh everyone uh to our listeners thanks so much for carrying on this long um hope you love star wars who knows what's happening next week it's going to be awesome um we'll talk to you then and may the force be with you this is grex Kondak signing off for the latest breaking news follow at core world news on twitter and instagram thank you and good night remember Force will be with you always.